welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. Well, and we are here in another episode, right? No, episode number 105. It's crazy. And this is actually the last episode of the year 2021, which times flies, you know, time flies when you're having fun. By the way, hey, hi to all of you amazing listeners that are on the other side of the speaker. Uh, this is a very special episode because, because it's actually uh, the most uh, listened episodes uh, usually are these ones, right? Uh, tonight, as you read on the title of the description, uh, we are talking about our top five uh, solo and cooperative and sometimes non-cooperative board games. Uh, and, you know, actually, uh, as I check the stats of the podcast and when I check the locations of where all of you amazing listeners are from and where you're listening from, Uh, and including like which you know streaming service you're using, either iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music. Uh, regardless, this is the probably these ones that we do at the end of the year are the most uh, listened. So uh, I guess that's because you also enjoy these ones, you know, just as much as we do. And I say we because I have a special friend as a guest. Of course, you know him because he has been in the podcast many times. And I'm talking about my good friend, Jonathan. Jonathan, how are you doing tonight? Are you ready for your uh, top five of uh, adventures that you had this year? I am. Um, I'm always excited for this. I mean, as a podcast listener myself, I always like listening to top fives, top tens, because that gives me ideas where to where to look and what games to, to try out next. So looking forward to giving some of our games from this year and talk about talking about them and why we liked them and maybe even some we didn't like or that we were surprised by. So looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, you know, and, and this year, actually, we got, we got good games, I believe. Like, you know, um, I have to share with all of you amazing listeners that Jonathan and I, uh, together with our friend Caleb, uh, we usually get together once a week, you know, like almost like religiously, like forget about, you know, going to church on Sundays. This is a big deal, right? Like we get together every every Wednesday, Thursday, depending on how our personal lives uh, work schedule is working out. Uh, this year was a little bit different because we had some inconveniences, we'll say, during the year. So, uh, but even though we got to play it a lot and most of our games that we're going to mention, we probably play them together. Uh, the first semester of the year, some of them we play them, you know, on our own and, and, and solo, but we still share those experiences, so that's that's always good. But, you know, um, just to give you a little bit of background uh, of, of why, I guess, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan has been many times in the podcast, why Caleb has been many times in the podcast, is just because, actually, before the podcast, the gaming group started and all that stuff. But anyway, just a little bit of background story, which probably you already know, because I don't even remember at this point if I mentioned this on the 105 uh, previous episodes. Before we jump in, Jonathan, actually, uh, you know, we've been doing something on the most recent episodes. Um, and what we do is uh, we uh, jump into the DeLorean, which I know you love DeLoreans as, as much as I do. Uh, and we go back and take a look of while we talk Uh, on episode five, um, and actually episode five was recorded back on October first uh, of 2018. Um, that I remember, I did it by myself. But I I review a game at that point that you know I I believe you played it or at least you heard about it. Uh, and I'm talking about the Bloody Inn. 
Um, that was basically what we talked about it uh, back then. Back then, the episodes were shorted. Actually, that episode was only 16 minutes long versus now they're usually like an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, but I don't know if you if you ever play that epi- that uh, game with me, Jonathan, or or if you just like look it around and hear it at some point the bloody in. I know I played it. Um, I, I remember the some of the art from it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a card. It's a card game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the card game, like kind of like a like a set collection kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I still have it in my collection, to be honest. But I mean, it's probably been like at least two years since I played that game. So I mean, it didn't cause like a huge impact, you know. And it was probably because you know back then I was trying to review. Also, like shorter games, nothing epic in that way. It would it would be between the time frames of the episode, um, and also being new, uh, you know, in in the podcast universe, I guess. Um, but I remember playing it. I remember solo was okay. It wasn't anything special. Multiplayer was okay too. Um, and you know, it's still in my collection just because it's a small box and I can put it like it's easy to store. I can just put it in a drawer or something. It stays there. But I don't know if I'm gonna uh, you know keep uh, you know owning it. I mean, honestly, if at some point a friend wants it or something, I might be okay just, you know, parting with it because, um, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't cost probably back then it was okay, but I don't think right now it will cost like a, like a, you know, something crazy, a crazy impression on me. Uh, what do you remember on the game besides being a set collection? I don't remember much. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the main thing I remember is kind of that art, like it's almost like a Gothic, um, yeah. art style but I don't remember much of the gameplay at all, to be honest. Yeah, I think it was something like uh, like the atmosphere of like uh, either like, uh, you know, like I would call like England back in the 30s or something like that or 20s. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that was it. We reviewed the Blooded Inn. Uh, so it's, it's always nice to see what we were talking about, you know, uh, 100 episodes ago, especially 2018 before chaotic times, before pandemic, before all that craziness. Um Jonathan, like I, I was mentioning, uh, the mechanic of, of tonight, I guess, or, or today or this evening, depending on what time you're listening, my friends, and where you are in the world. Uh, and, you know, the mechanic for, for this time is going to be like playing a board game, right? So r- tonight we're playing a two-player two player board game where uh, Jonathan and I, we're uh, exchanging points of views. We are kind of like trying to gain some area control on the board. Uh, probably we're going to put some some workers there and to get some resources as well. Why not? Um, so that's how it's going to be. So of course, Jonathan, it's on my left, all right. He's the only player on the left. So of course that he will be the first player token just because in this game, uh, the first player token goes to the youngest on the table and he's the youngest in the table. So we will give it to Jonathan. Um, and Jonathan will start with the review of number five, and then he's going to pass me that, uh, first player token to me. And then I will do number five and so on and so forth. Uh, we're going to be exchanging that token like token like crazy. And then we have a few surprises and a, a few uh, unexpected, let's call it, games also that we're going to talk about tonight, Jonathan. So if you are ready, Jonathan, um, let's jump right now. Let's jump into our top five and, and we'll be back after this. So actually, Derek, 
the reason I joined the group was because I knew you, you and Caleb were older, so I would always get to go first in any of the games where sure, the youngest yeah. player goes first. <laughs> so uh-huh. if you if you could just hand me that Star Wars deck of cards over there, I can start talking about my okay. number five. Okay, okay. You mean this fancy one that I have here on Open It, right? Yeah. Okay, let me see. You know, it's always this this poker deck is kind of heavy, and you know, I like it because it's like almost like metal cards. I wonder why you're gonna talk about it. Why do you want this Star Wars? Are you gonna talk about Imperials or something like that? I don't think so. But anyway, here's the the uh, deck of cards. You know, poker deck of cards from Star Wars. Here you go. Knock yourself out. That will be your first player token, and let's start with your number five. So nothing that big, but um, my number five. You can use a regular deck of cards, or I like to play with a Star Wars deck of cards to at least have something fun. Mm-hmm. Or you can even buy the game that has its own deck of cards with the art. But my number five is Regicide okay. um, from Badgers from Mars and TGG Games. Okay. Um, but um, this was a big hit, I think, for a lot of people. Um, about halfway through the year, a little bit later, um, because they did publish the rules online, and you can use a standard deck of cards. So, especially... For people that either don't have a game group or you know issues with COVID and um, you're trying to isolate from other people, you can play solo with a deck of cards or you can purchase their game, which I only th- I think is about $15, so not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but Regicide is a game where you separate out um, all the face cards and your deck is pretty much everything else. And you are trying to work your way through the jacks, queens, and then finally the kings um, to defeat these bosses using the different suits, and every suit has a power, so um, depending on what you play, the hearts will put more cards back in your deck, the diamonds will help you draw more cards, um, the spades act almost as like a shield to protect you from the boss, and the clubs um, do double damage. So you're trying to coordinate with what you have in your hand to beat certain bosses, um, but if you're fighting the jack of clubs, it shuts off clubs, so you have to work around that and use a different suit if you want to use those bonuses. So um, I played it a lot just because it was a quick game. You could get the app on your phone. It does all the math for you, and you just take a deck of cards wherever you want to go, and uh, you know you can play it in ten minutes or so. Um, and you can adjust, um, you know, how difficult you want it to be. You can play it cooperative as well, which we tried. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we got destroyed. Yeah, so I think it, <laughs> we I think it's yeah. definitely harder cooperative because, like yeah. some other games, you really can't communicate with your um, your teammates with with what you actually have in your hand. Yeah. So um, there's definitely a challenge, but I liked it just with that, the quick nature of solo games and, um, you know, being very portable. So I think it's very accessible um, and you could just sit and play, you know, three or four times in a row in an hour and, and be satisfied. Yeah. And actually, uh, you know, I remember that time that we played it uh, and, and we were, we got destroyed basically, but I really enjoyed the game. I haven't had a chance to try to try it solo though. Uh, which I probably should because I hear nothing but good things about the game. Uh, let me tell you, let me tell you right now to you and our friends over there. Um, the uh, BGG stats, of course. It's uh, you know first of, first of all, Regicide. It was a game released in 2020. I believe this was first like a print and play kind of like game. You know, before mm-hmm. it came, uh, you know, uh, basically like a card game. Uh, and I don't know. You can t- you can probably correct me on this, Jonathan. But I think it was a Kickstarter campaign, right, as well. Uh, that, I, that I'm not sure. I kind of heard about it after that because um, mm-hmm. it did get, I think, to be like the number one hot hot game um, in the hotness on BGG for a while. Yeah, so that's kind of when I heard about it. You know, after after it had been out and um, available for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it's ranked on uh, on the place uh, one thousand six hundred and fifty five. 
It has a 7.6 uh, score on BGG. Regicide 2020 worked together as brave adventurers to defeat the corrupted uh, monarchy. It's a, a game that is one to four players. Uh, you know, it plays in 30, 10 to 30 minutes, like Jonathan mentioned. Uh, age 10 year plus uh, with a weight complexity of 2.2 out of 5. The designer is uh, Paul Abrams, uh, Abrahams or Abrams, uh, Luke Badger, Andy Richdale, and the artist is DJ Phillips, and the publisher is Badgers from Mars and TGG Games. Uh, so those are the stats on on BGG, and of course, like like Jonathan were mentioning, like you can get the game, you know, like like the the, the card game and 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 and, and bought it. Um, but honestly, like, like he just asked me for that Star Wars, um, deck of cards, you can use anything you like. Like it's, that's one of the convenience of this game. I think that you can go, I don't know if you're in the United States, you can go to any Barnes and Nobles, or you can go basically to any store, any store that you, that you, that you have, wherever you are and buy or online and buy any uh, thematic, uh, poker deck that you like. You can be a DC, you can be Marvel, you can be whatever, and then just play with it, right? Um, so that's one of the coolest things of the game. What do you think about the, the BGG qualification, though? Because uh, I think it seems like a little bit low, the 7.6. But once again, sometimes those scores are very tricky, you know? I mean, you don't even know, you know, why people are voting or how people are voting. And and it's, it's tricky, right? Yeah, and I feel like this one, I think it's come back up. Mm -hmm. um, not that I want to talk about it or... that we should get into it but mm -hmm. um there's the whole controversy this year with another kickstarter um from tgg games and um some of the artwork and um some of the viewpoints of the owner and so i know a lot of their games or things they were associated with when that came out a lot of the votes were you know i think they got a lot of ones or negative comments because of that was it so, was that one the one with the frog we're not gonna go into yeah it. Oh, okay okay that, so now, yeah, now we're talking about yeah okay um but yeah, so I, I know this game, and I think some of the other ones um, dropped a lot on BGG just because of the votes from the people that were, um, you know, upset by that, and they wanted to express their opinions. And so, oh, I see that that was one way they did that. And I think Regicide was like the overall ranking went down a lot further than what it is now. So I think okay. it's kind of come back up, and it's hopefully rated more based on actual gameplay and what people think. Um, mm -hmm. So, so it, makes, it makes sense then why yeah. it's going to be. I, I, we're not going to jump into that for sure. Uh, but I remember that the huge controversy. Actually, uh, just fun fact, that controversy, uh, it was also, re ref also reflected during Gen Con. I mean, I didn't witness it, and I don't think you did either, Jonathan, because I believe this happened on Wednesday. But there was a huge controversy where the designer uh, or the publisher from the, from the uh, company got basically you know pushed away from Gen Con. Uh, so it was like a huge deal, and you could see it on Twitter and whatever. And probably you know what, what we're talking about, our friends. But yeah, so that that's probably why it makes sense that, in a way, right? That why their ratings are low. Uh, pro and, and you know it's understandable. People, we express our, our our emotions in different ways. So if one way is you know through BGG, well, I mean that's that's fair as well. Um, Jonathan, now, now, since, since you're done with, actually, before, before you're done with Regicide, I want to tell you a story about the game, uh, that I don't know if you were aware, uh, or if I told you this before during our game nights, but might as well, I will share it right now. Uh, I remember seeing somewhere in Facebook or in social media, I don't remember which one exactly, a story about a guy that, or a person, let's say, um, he was on an airplane, right? Uh, and um, did I tell you that story about the Regicide game or not? 
I don't think so. Okay, so this person is in an airplane, right? Uh, I don't even know if he's in America, in Europe, or where. But he's he's on the on the flight, and he's you know playing solo games or whatever app games on on his on his on her uh, iPad, uh, and then he suddenly see this old lady that it's on on his or her left side. Uh, you know, pulling down the tray, you know, like the airplane, like the tray where you can put your food, water, whatever, puts down the tray uh, and then brings a, a deck of poker cards, you know, and she start to, you know, shuffle some cards and lay them out there. So the guy was like, well, I mean, you know, kind of like sneaking and see what she was doing. Uh, and first uh, he or, or she, I don't remember once again what it was, um, thought that uh, she was going to play, you know, the classic solitaire, right? Solitaire cards that yeah. it, it's kind of common, like, see, sometimes, um, you know, some people playing it. I don't want to be disrespectful, <laughs> but sometimes people of a certain age, they, they play those games, right? Um, and um, it happens that she was actually playing Regicide, and this guy knew about the game or uh, Regicide as well. Uh, so it was just a story that, uh, once again, someone shared on Facebook. And to me, it's crazy, like, you know, like... Uh, it tells you the beauty of the hobby as well, and also the how the solo gaming niche is kind of like you know expanding, and it's probably not a niche anymore. Uh, and how you can be surprised, you know, in this like in this case, like I, Jonathan, I don't know about you, but I would go crazy, you know, if I'm in the in that situation where I'm in an airplane, or let's say you're in Europe and you're in one of those fast uh, trains, and and suddenly you see someone, you know, especially like a like an elderly person, you know, like bring it up on a table uh, a solo game right that would be crazy don't you think yeah i mean i just think of like my parents or my grandma like i can't imagine them doing anything like that so <laughs> that'd be pretty cool to see somebody i mean um, imagine imagine your nana playing uh, uh, uh having a solo session of sight right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> with the sidekick i mean that would be crazy uh in a good way <laughs> but, i mean yeah i just i just wanted to share you know that story uh since this is the time, right? Like, why not? Uh, but anyway, Jonathan, uh, before we jump into my number five, do you mind uh, just carefully handing me that huge knife that you have over there, kind of like a Michael Myers knife that you have, you know, over there by, by your drink? Do you mind handing that to me, please? I will use it as a first player token if you don't mind. Uh, don't be, don't be, don't be scary. I'm not gonna do anything crazy or anything like that. I just, right. Don't, don't. Here you go. Don't cut yourself. No, no, no. I mean, just carefully, you know. And and now I have it here. Okay, now it's on the table. Uh, so, uh, Jonathan, uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you a story, right? So, there's this group of people that they happen to be on a camp, right? They're camping, uh, and there's a lake, uh, you know, and just a bunch of teenagers, right? So, of course, they're drinking, they're having a good time, they're having good music, you know, from 80s uh, and early 90s, you know, they're having a blast. And you probably start to, you know, suspect a little bit of where I'm, where I'm going with this with this theme, right? So, um, you know, they're having a good time, they're having a blast. Of course, they're using some uh, uh, non-recreational <laughs> substance that they probably... Uh, I don't know if they're non-recreational or recreational, but whatever it is, uh, you're the pharmacist, so you can tell me probably the best uh, uh, nomenclature for this. Um, uh, but anyway, they're using this substance, and um, they're having a blast. They they turn up on fire and all this stuff. And then suddenly, uh, Jonathan, they hear something behind the bushes, the bushes, right? And they hear something like, Do you like my sound effect, my friend? I'm pretty sure you do. Oh, I thought that was like an actual recording. Oh, there you 
<laughs> don't turn the lights off because then you're gonna get scared but uh then of course uh, uh a stranger a huge slasher a big guy right he comes out of the bushes and he starts to kill everyone every single one of them and um you know they started running like crazy and there's some you know some victim over some victims as well over there on, on the camp right because there's different cabins different tents and stuff so they're just a group there uh, but from that group everybody dies and just a girl, a pretty much, I will say, a badass girl, she escapes. And now we take the role of this girl and we have to do our best to kill this uh, new Jason Voorhees, I guess if you want to call it. And can you guess which game I'm talking about, Jonathan, at this point? Um, well, at first I kind of, I mean, I haven't played many of them, but mm -hmm. was, initially the theme kind of sounded like, was it last Friday? It's almost, it's, but, a, it's a slasher, but I, think, yeah. but I think now that you're talking about that character that survived, it sounds like she's the final girl. Yeah, it's the final girl, you got it. Final girl is at my number five of 2021, and I will give you the stats from BGG right away. Uh, it's a re-implementation, actually, from a, a, another solitaire game that I still keep it, and it, I think it's a very fun game. I don't know if you have a chance to play it or not, but I'm talking about Hostage Negotiator. Um, so this game is basically a re-implementation of, of that game. It's ranked it's ranked right now on the place 4,125. It has an 8.8 .8, uh, on rating on BGG. It was released in 2021. And basically is you alone must survive and defeat the horror movie killer, which is what I try to explain right now. Uh, it only plays with one player only. Uh, 30 to 45 minutes uh, for playtime. Age 14 year plus. Uh, weight complexity of a 2.3, 2.38 out of 5. The designer is Ivan Derek, AJ Porfirio. The artist is Tyler Johnson, and is published by Van Ryder Games. Final girl, my friend. Final girl. So, uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, idea on the game, uh, this game, of course, I went all in on the on the pledge. I mean, why not? The, just the theme by itself, it's something that is really appealing to me, and I decided to jump in. Uh, and I got, of course, the neoprene mat, the miniatures, um, you know, you get the, some special characters, some promos here and there. What is Final Girl? Final Girl is basically what I just described to you, right? Except the substances and all that craziness. No, that doesn't, that's not there. But, uh, uh, you know, it's basically a, a, a horror slasher movie from the late 80s, early 90s. You know, those good times where these movies were probably becoming very popular. And, and they probably, without knowing became an important part of the, I won't say even American culture, I will say like, you know, probably a world culture, uh, you know, when we look back to those movies. Um, and basically, it's a re-implementation in a way of hostage negotiator. How does it play? Well, basically, at the time of the setup, you're going to choose a slasher or a killer, uh, and that killer will have different abilities that they will be triggering during the game, uh, and different stats that they will be getting more powerful, let's say, during the game. Also, you have a location that you can choose, right? Every killer will come in a very nice, kind of like a VHS uh, box type, uh, and then you will get a location, you know, in this in this way we can try to pretend that we're playing in the campy trails. Um, you're going to set up the location according to a setup card and that you're going to have some uh, victims over there around the map. You're going to have the killer around the map and uh, you're going to position yourself as well around the map. You're going to have some uh, events that they will be triggering during the game and also a terror deck, kind of like in the same way as a hostage negotiator. Um, your turns will be similar in a way that you'll be playing cards that at the beginning are free. 
Uh, and every time that you play cards, in order to do the actions on the cards, you have to roll the dice. And the dice are very punishing because uh, only fives and six will give you successes. Uh, uh, four and uh, three, they will give you a result where you have to discard two cards in order to turn those results to successes. And one and two are blanks. Uh, and you're going to have a track, which is the horror track. And you're going to have another track, which is the time. And the time is the currency of the game. So you're going to start rerounding six. So you have six to spend. But the interesting mechanic of the game uh, is that every time that you play a card to do an action, you also most likely are going to waste time. So that's where the hand management and the strategy come into play where it's like, okay, should I play this card this round or should I save my time? In that way, once the round is done, I will keep these cards in my hand and I can buy more cards from the top, from the main tableau which use car those cards are usually uh, more powerful. And the type of actions that you can do, it's either move, search for items, you know, items such as weapons, like lucky items. There's some vehicles, depending on the, on the type of location you're playing. Uh, so there's a, there's a, a few cool stuff. Um, the horror track, how it goes, is that you're going to start in a, you know, in a, in a certain level, depending on the difficulty you want to play with. Uh, and you're usually going to be starting the game rolling two dice. And then as every uh, victim dies, that horror track will increase and the, uh, the killer will get more powerful. As, as you save victims, the horror track will be reduced and potentially you will be able to roll more dice when you do actions if you have everything under control on the horror track. Also, the nice thing is that every time that you, could, that you, that you rescue, I'm sorry, a victim, you're going to place that victim on your, on your final girl character card and it's going to give you new abilities and stuff. So that's something cool as well. Uh, and other than that, it's basically the same mechanics as, as a hostage negotiator, which is some variant, some twists. And I think, um, you know, I, I like to say that for me, between those two, Final Girl is definitely, uh, you know, a way better game. Uh, you know, I think it, it almost feels like Hostage Negotiator was like a prototype kind of game. And then this one was the, the real deal, right? So it's a game that I highly recommend, especially for solitaire players. Of course, it's one player. You can play it two players if you like, kind of like a cooperative way, like making decisions together and stuff. And I think it will still be fun because I remember playing with my wife, a hostage negotiator, a couple of times, and it was fun. Um, so I don't see why this one wouldn't. But once again, it's just a variant that you will have to homebrew a little bit where you you know it will be um, cooperative two players. And basically, you won't change anything. It's just like, you know, deciding together or taking turns to roll the dice and things like that uh the dice are very painful so uh it's very hard to win on this game i will say because you have of course like a hell track and the enemy has a hell track now i have to say that usually how you're going to win this game unless in an expansion uh, something change uh, is that you have to kill the bad guy. That's it. It's not like in Hostage Negotiator where depending on the scenario, you kind of like, oh, hi, okay, you have to rescue these, these victims and then, uh, you know, he won't have any more uh, hostages, I guess, and then away you, you will win. No. Here is more like, okay, you it's either kill or be killed, which in a way I like because I remember last year I put Cthulhu that may die on my top five list as well. And that's one of the things that I really like from Cthulhu that made that, you know, it was almost like a, I call it that time, like, like kind of like a, having a rock and roll song, you know, like it's fun. Let's move, you know, speed up. Uh, and, and you know that you have to go and kill. Uh, yes, you have to investigate, but you have to go and kill. And that's it. That's how you win the game. And here is the kind of the same situation. Yes, you want to rescue some victims around, you know, just to get more powerful. And that way you can be more, uh, you know, capable uh, to, to, to try to fight the, the killer. Uh, but also you want to get some items and, and so, so on and so forth. But, you know, you don't wor you don't focus too much on that. Now, ultimately, this is the kind of games that you can have 
everything on your favor. You can have all the items. You can have, uh, you know, all the abilities. You can have all the victims. But if your rolls suck, that's it. Like, you won't win. And in a way, me personally, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy rolling dice on games. I think, I think especially solo games, they should be thematic. Uh, they should be in a way like kind of like a almost like a movie, you know, like very audio visual. Uh, and you know me, Jonathan, and you know amazing friends that I say all the time. Like usually when I play on my game room, that I have you know the lucky or blessing that to have a space where I can play. Uh, you know, I put my soundtrack on the background. You know, soundtrack that is appealing to the game. Uh, and then I just let myself immerse in and, you know, have a blast. And, and, you know, in this case, these type of games are definitely my cup of tea. So anyway, I wanted to, to recommend you and, and, uh, Final Girl. And even if I got this game, like it's almost out of the oven, you know, I got this game about a month ago, kind of Jonathan, when I text you that picture, um, you know, it, it has become one of my favorites. Uh, you know, the production wise, it looks pretty cool almost like a bunch of VHS movies and miniatures. If you got the miniatures expansion, it's very cool. You don't need the miniatures. You don't need the neoprene mats. Honestly, you can, it worked perfectly with meeples. Uh, but, you know, you know how we are and how we like things. Uh, another thing that I think is very positive on the game is that um, the boxes will be the, the killer mat and also they will be the location mat. So that's pretty cool because they're kind of like a magnetized. Uh, so they will uh, stick together or like I said, like a VHS kind of like a uh, holder or they will come out and be the, the game basically. And I like that once you are playing, once you're opening more movies, let's say, you keep everything in one box since you can choose multiple uh, final girls, doesn't matter who are they fighting, you can mix and match locations and enemies. So anyway, it's a very fun game, Jonathan. I, I hope you get to try it soon. Definitely, I would love to lend it to you in that way you can you can you can get the feeling of it. Uh, but yeah, that's Final Girl. I don't know what you hear about it. Um, you know, I don't know um, uh, what you you know. What are your thoughts on this game? Um, I mean, I don't know a ton about it, but um, I've seen like some of the movies that it would be based on. I'm not like super into all those kind of movies, but I've seen some of the older Halloween movies, uh-huh. um, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I think I've seen a couple, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. I always like to watch the Scream movies just because I still enjoy that they kind of parody oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that genre. But um, I think I would like it, and um, you know, especially just with that theme and you know, it being such a thematic game. Well, um, it, it, I'd definitely it, be up for trying it. It definitely feels like, I know, I remember now that you really, you really enjoy uh, the Scream movies, right? Which actually, there's a new one, I think, coming up soon. Yeah, in uh, January. In January, hopefully. Do you think it will be good? I think so. Um, I like the last one that was, you know, probably five or six years ago. It was pretty decent. So uh-huh. um, I think they're bringing back most of the original cast that's, you know, still alive in that universe. So I'm hopeful. Yeah, you know, it would be fun to make one episode at one point of um, that movies that we wished they would be in board games because I feel like Scream would be a fun, a fun board game. You know, uh, in a similar way as Final Girl. Um, you know, I feel I, I wish Final Girl could be cooperative as well because. Honestly, it kind of feels the same way because it, it, you can go with any kind of slasher you like. Like, of course, they're generic uh, slashers, right? But like, you have hands, you know, which it's like a butcher, but it most it looks more like Jason Voorhees, kind of, you know. So then, then you have another guy that he looks kind of like Freddy Krueger. So um, I really, I really like that, and I, definitely I can see like you know someone, a publisher, hopefully. Uh, getting the scream uh, IP and just making a, a cooperative game, or even like a, 
or even that might be a good game that you can play like one versus all that's a that's a, a, a game for example if it was something like that like that i'm sorry i would be interested in playing a one versus all even if it's not a, one of my favorite um you know mechanics but it could be like you know one guy uh you know having a couple of, of characters to play with and basically i don't know kind of like a one of them is the killer but you don't know you know you know what i'm saying like something something like that that would be pretty cool or, or or a cooperative game where you can shuffle a deck of characters and one of those characters is the killer and you're kind of trying like to okay you know making some stuff to try to investigate and and survive and then find the killer at the end don't you think it will be great yeah i think if, if you should pitch that to the op i could see them uh oh yeah picking that up with some of the other things i know they did that sh- they added the shining into their uh escape room type games so maybe they'll do another you know horror scary type thing that would be fun. So just to to close on the screen, you ha- your expectations. You think it will be better than the original one because you know it's hard when we look back. I remember the first one and it was cool, um, but it was back in the day, right? I, I haven't seen it recently. I don't know how well it holds up or not. Um, uh, what are your expectations? Anyone is is it a, is it a sequel or is it like a remake? What is it, what is it about it actually? No, it's a sequel because it brings back. Um, I think she's been in all of them, but it brings back Sydney, who is like the final girl sure. from the first one mm-hmm. and the other you know, three. Um, but it brings her back. It brings back like Courtney Cox's character from the first one. Oh, nice. Um, it bring, so it brings back a lot of them, but still moving forward. Um, I mean, I think the hardest thing with a lot of the horror movies is, you know, what do you do with cell phones and like other technology that's available now? And how do you make that work when in the nineties, you, ha- you know, not everybody had a cell phone or yeah. you, know, you couldn't get internet to communicate with people. So it's a lot easier to, you know, figure out how to stage those kills where now you have to work around technology and, what other people can do with, you know, just a regular cell phone or a smartphone or whatever. So, um, I think it'll be interesting. I feel like it'll be hard, just like any movie for the most part to beat the first one. I mean, I know there's some exceptions, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know. I still enjoy watching the first one. Um, and I'll still go when they have it in theaters every once in a while to just to go watch it on the big screen. Um, didn't you went and watch it recently actually with the cast, right? The cast was there or something and you got well, like uh, some autographs well, or something. Sort of don't bring that up. Cause it was, thing and they didn't show up but before that there was a horror convention where i think you know probably 70 percent of the main cast was there so it was pretty cool to meet them and get their autographs and stuff but they did not show up for the movie and they had no idea that it was happening (laughs) so but didn't they advertise that they were going to be in the movie or something like that um somebody the convention advertised it and nobody knew about it so (laughs) we ended up just paying this money to go to this thing and i watched the movie and that was fine (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of a letdown well there you go those are the fun stories that come between games uh but yeah definitely uh i think it will be interesting just to close this uh that back then on the first movie you know like you said they were all phone calls and now it will be like facetime right i guess the slasher is gonna facetime sydney or something like that so we'll see we'll see well my friend tell me which kind of first player token you want me to pass you on you you tell me but don't ask me for anything heavy because you know here on the table we have a lot of stuff going on right now we have a lot of games uh you know we have a lot of things that we can use as a first player token so you tell me what do you want well if you just want to pass me maybe a spell card okay or a, a gate token okay i, ha- I actually have like kind of like you know I, I kind of like a circular gate token the standy that i will pass you by and i also have some spells here from magic the gathering i hope it's not magic the gathering because that will be super random if you choose that game as your number four of the year that's uh, my favorite solo game ever that's <laughs> your favorite solo game ever. so um you know here you go you have your spells you have your gate knock yourself out let's go with number four so my number four is a deck builder um in it um there are multiple 
versions, multiple mm-hmm. expansions, some legacy editions now. I jumped in with this one earlier in the year, and it's Aeon's End Outcasts. Nice. Came nice. out in 2020 yeah. uh, from Indie Board and Cards. And um, I'm a big fan of deck builders. Like I've got Marvel Legendary, James Bond Legendary, DC Deck Builder. Um, one of my favorites I think I talked about last year, the year before, is Clank in Space, which I have all those expansions. So anything where you can deck build, make an engine, um, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. So I got this one, and I like the aspect of it being a cooperative deck builder um, and solo deck builder. So I haven't played through all of the little scenarios that come in here. I think this one and the one before it, it might be called New Age or something like that. They yeah. introduced like a little expedition, so it's not really a campaign. But mm-hmm. um, you know, you go through and you unlock extra decks, other characters that you can introduce, and then eventually you just have this card pool that you can play with and different characters. But... Um, I enjoy it. It's different enough. Um, it has some aspects from some of the other deck builders I like, where you get a unique character that has abilities um, that you can use throughout the game. Um, and then as you go, you can kind of build up your engine, um, and you're trying to open these gates that allow you to do more spells, and you can prep spells for either your next turn, or there's some cards that let your allies use one of your spells that are already ready. So there's that aspect of planning for the threat, um, you know, trying to get the most mileage out of the resources that you have and the cards that you have available. Um, and so I just think it's really cool. You know, I know some of the legendary games, they have the coordinate keyword, so it's kind of like that. But in the DC deck builder, you have a, you know, a hero that has an ability, so it has that. Um, even like in the new expansion for Lost Ruins of Arnak, you have the leaders. Mm-hmm. I haven't played that yet, but, you know, they have the abilities and there's some deck building there. So it definitely has a lot of different things in there um, that make it fun. And, you know, it's kind of a different theme than what I have so far in deck builders, just more of that, you know, almost like D and D fantasy theme, yeah. um, which is fun. So I'm looking forward to playing through the other scenarios. And then um, I also wanted to see if I liked it enough, maybe to jump in and I, you know, do the ends and legacy, mm-hmm. um, potentially try that solo too. Um, Cause I think that would be fun. And I like that it, I think the first time I played it, and it was me and my wife, and learning the rules and everything, it still only took about two hours, which wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I like that it's not a super long game, yeah. um, but it still fills that deck builder, engine builder sort of um, um, game type that I like. Yeah, and actually, uh, I own, I was going to say, I own the New Age, uh, which was the predecessor to, to this one. Uh, and the new age definitely it's worth to try because uh, you know it has that kind of like you were mentioning like kind of like a legacy aspect in a way where okay open this envelope open the other one now this now that and you know it change you get new components and stuff so it gives you the feeling definitely of a legacy I know there's the big box of uh, Aeon Sand I think it's a black box right like uh-huh. a big one that's uh, Aeon Sand Legacy and it always people go crazy for it on on Gencon all the time I see it. Uh, so, you know, I'm pretty sure it's fun. Let me give you the stats really quick of the outcast uh, here from BGG. It's ranked overall on 1,447 uh, with uh, 8.8 rating, which is pretty high. Uh, it was released in 2020. Play a campaign against the monstrities. Uh, monstrities, I guess I don't. Monstrosities, <laughs> you know. Play a campaign against the monstrosities from beyond uh, beyond the breach. 
Uh, one to four players, best with two, it says, recommend here. 60 minutes of playing time, age 14 year plus, and a complexity of 3.07 out of 5. The designer is Sidney Engelstein, Nick Little, uh, which sounds like Little Nick. You remember that movie? That movie was great. Oh, yeah. Was that with uh, Adam Sandler? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 fa- I knew, I found out pop- about Popeye Chicken through that movie. So, <laughs> so of course, I'm not going to do an impression of that. I mean, the, 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 the highest I can go is the Jason Voorhees, uh, you know, soundtrack but i remember you know the popeye chicken uh, that he was always saying so it was pretty cool uh and anyway he's not that little nicky this is nick little uh and it's kevin riley as well the designer the artist is gong studios and the publishers is indie boards and cards uh you know Jonathan, i think this is a, this was a very revolutionary deck builder right because uh it started implemented some mechanics that they weren't there for example we have the DC deck buildings that I know you have all the expansions too. I have all the expansions. And there's a huge bias, you know, uh, towards that game just because of the theme, the DC. Um, and uh, I, I know that you played it back in college, uh, you know, and it, it's, it's a game that in a way I have to accept even if it hurts me saying you can see the time on, the, on, mm-hmm. on that game. Uh, but once again, it drags me the IP because, you know, I mean, we have discussed it many times. I'm a DC guy, right? Um, now, then you have other games like Legendary, right? You have the James Bond, X-Files, Alien, which I think is the best one, uh, the Encounters, and then the Marvel uh, one that is not Encounters. Uh, and then you have many, many other ones. Now, you name it. There's tons of deck builders over there. But this one came and did something different. And that's, I think, the key of it. Because that's why, for a lot of people, this is the best deck building mechanic out there. Um, in your opinion, do you agree with that? Do you think this is the best deck building mechanic that you have seen in a game? Or do you have any other one that you like mechanic wise? Do you, do you like any other game a little bit more than this one? Not the game, the mechanic of a deck building. Um, and I think it's an, I think it's an interesting question, you know, because, um, you know, they all go to deck buildings, but in reality, like this one does it differently. Yeah. Cause I mean, even like, you know, you have the DC game. And that's just pretty much totally random um, with whatever set you're using. Marvel's kind of random, but you still pick different characters. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't with the combinations. Um, but I do like with this one, you kind of have that set grid of cards. So you always know what's available. You just have to figure out a way to buy them. Um, but I feel like that helps with the cooperation and um, planning because it's not going to be random. You know, what am I going to flip over in the market this turn? Um so I think it helps with that aspect. Um, but I'd probably put this and um, probably the mechanics from the Clank franchise up there okay. um, just for, for being different. I mean, they're definitely different games, mm-hmm. um, even though they do both kind of do fantasy or there's Clank in space. But, um, you know, that one's you know almost totally different, too, where it's more of a traditional deck builder and you yeah. have that, you know, the board. So, um, so it's even hard to compare those. But I'd say those are probably my top two mechanically. Yeah, and it's definitely, I understand that definitely a game that, I mean, not only because it's in your number four, uh, but I also will, I think we both of us will highly recommend this game either for a solo gamer or for a group of games, right? Like, I'm sorry, for a, if you have a gaming group, because this is a game that if you like cooperatives and you like the buildings, definitely it's a, it's a game that is worth checking out. Uh, anything else that you would like to add in iOS end before we before I ask you for a few crazy things such as my first player token? I don't think so. That's all I got. Yeah. All right. So do you mind passing me that 
uh, magnifying glass that you have over there by your right hand. I also will need that book that is just be you know behind you. And if you don't mind standing up to the wall and handing me that uh, kind of like a Indiana Jones uh, whip that I have over there, please pass me those three things. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the book is kind of heavy, right? So, okay, I have it here. Perfect. So, I ask you for all of these, Jonathan, because right now we're going to uh, go in an adventure, you and I, all right? And we're going to go, um, we come prepared with a book, which will give us knowledge, uh, with a magnifying glass, and that way we can, you know, um, look at certain things, I don't know, you name it, insects or, or some jewels that we might find, uh, you know, and we had the whip just because we're cool, and in that way we can defend ourselves from uh, beasts or, or, or enemies, right? So uh, we're going to go ourselves into the jungle, because I hear that there's, um, you know, a certain territory uh, that it has some ruins, right? Some ruins that they they have they haven't been explored, you know, since forever. Probably since they were by an ancient civilization since they were there. Uh, so I hear that in these uh, ruins, in these temples, there's some treasures. But I also hear that there's some beasts over there. So we have to be careful, right? While we visiting, while we visit these ruins and temples. Uh, so I guess this is enough hints. Um, to and enough clues to tell you about the game that we're gonna talk about, and now we're gonna be in that uh, region called uh, Arnak, uh, and of course we're gonna explore the Lost Ruins of Arnak, which is my number four. And what we're gonna do here, Jonathan? Well, what we're gonna do is either probably we're gonna split. You know, I'm sorry to tell you this, my friend, but we're gonna split. Uh, we're gonna take some resources with us first, and some cards as well, which they will help us to overcome you know, any challenges that we may encounter. Um, also, you know, we're going to get some some abilities, you know, why not at the beginning, and some uh, scrolls that they will kind of help us to to uh, to identify some locations. Uh, each of us, we're going to go on foot, so we're going to get a par pair of hiking boots. Uh, most likely, we're going to probably get a jeep, in that way we can be around. And you know what? Just because we're fancy, we might get a plane as well, which is crazy. Uh, in that way, we can go towards towards those places. And Lost Ruins of Arnak, Jonathan, what can we do? Well, just that. You know, it's about fun. It's about, uh, you know, placing our workers, which is us in this case, in this crazy story that I'm making up, and getting resources, getting some top type of resources. In that way, then we can pay the cost of those with those resources and with those transportation methods, and we can go and explore temples and then on those temples we might find we might find monsters that we have to kill in order to get victory points and why not get some cool stuff as well and the farthest that we go better is the chances of the rewards that we're gonna get uh jonathan there's also gonna be some cards there you know i know you like the buildings there's gonna be some cards kind of like a market where you can get uh you can you're gonna be able to under certain circumstances you're gonna be able to buy those cards or some of those cards and add it to your hand in that way or to your deck in that way you can use them you know in later turns not only that not only we're using the worker placement uh the workers placement i'm sorry i'm mechanic not only we're using the deck building mechanic but also kind of like a hand management at the same time or what on what to use and when to use it and also we're going to have another track you know remember that magnifying glass that i asked you for in the book well that will help us to do some research uh and you know to get some uh i guess uh intelligence and knowledge during the game in that way we can score points in a different track as well so we can either go in the path of peace 
and just trying to do our research, uh, you know, about the ruins and, and find some clues and get victory points through there and, and you know, ultimately go to the temples through that route and, and get some treasures. Or we can do it the direct way, which we just like put some people to work. <laughs> I guess I don't mean it in a, in a bad way. You know, we put our workers to, to work and get some research for us. And then we go and fight monsters like crazy and we have a blast. Uh, so, of course, this is basically, a, a, you know, a very simple uh, uh, kind of like, a, a, you know, storytelling way of how Lost Ruins of Arnak plays. Uh, I'm going to give you the stats from BGG and then I will give you a chance to talk about this game, Jonathan, because uh, we played it together, actually. Uh, and, and I know your, your thoughts are probably positive on the game as well. Uh, the rank overall is 41. Is uh, ranked on strategy categories on uh, 36. And family is in place number 3. Family game, which I don't know if this is a family game or not to me. But it's still on, on, on a number 3, which is super high. Uh, 8.1. Um, you know, the rating on BGG. Uh, it was released in 2020, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Explore an island and find resources and discover the Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um, it has 15,000 people. 15,000 people have rated the game. So this is the kind of ratings that we can trust. You know, sometimes when you have high ratings with 900 people, it's like, well... But when you get 15,000 people, you know, it's it's definitely something worth checking out. Uh, one, to four, one to four players has a very good solo mode. I think the expansion, I believe the expansion really enhanced the solo mode as well. Um, it says that it's best with three, the core game at least. 30 to 120 minutes playtime, age 12 year plus. Weight complexity of 2.8 out of 5. Uh, the designers are Elwin and Min. Uh, the artists, I'm not going to name them because they have very difficult names for me to pronounce. Uh, and it's published by CGE Search Games Edition, which actually I have to say that they hand me the copy for review purposes uh, on Gen Con. They were awesome uh, with Solo BG Podcast. And yeah, this is Lost Ruins of Arnak, Jonathan. What do you think? You played it as well, and I think we had a blast together, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that was one of our favorite games from that trip with me and Caleb. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's one of the few games where we all have a copy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where, you know, Caleb and I went out to get a copy after we played that. Um, but I really enjoyed it because it does have a little bit of the deck building that, you know, like you mentioned in your story, the different tracks that you can do on the board and different mm-hmm. ways you can get points. Like, I think it's definitely just a great design. And I think it's the first design for um, Min and Owen. So I yeah. think that's really cool to see that, you know, they came up with such a great thing, you know, as an early design. Um so I'm definitely looking forward to playing again. I have not played it solo. Oh, you have um, to. You have to, my friend. But um, I'm looking forward to that. And then um, I know the Expedition Leaders expansion was released at Essen, so hopefully we'll get that here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can try it with the different abilities for the leaders and see how that changes the game. I don't know why I have the feeling that uh, the three of us are going to be ended up owning a copy of the expansion as well. Uh, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but, which is not the smartest thing to do, right? Since we're, you know, the same group, but... You know, that's how we are. It's, it's hard to, to uh, you know, hide our nerdiness, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, but um, this is definitely a game that it was also a big surprise for me in this year. And it's crazy because I remember this is one of those games that the hype was so high that at some point it was very hard to find the game. Um, and it reminded me of what happened last year with or probably the year before with Wingspan, remember? Mm-hmm. Which yep. it, was, it was crazy to, to find that game too. So any, anyway, Jonathan, it's interesting some, sometimes how the hype uh, is created, you know, around the games. And um, sometimes it's dangerous, right? Because sometimes just because the the FOMO, right, the fear of missing out or the hype 
uh, we ended up, or me particularly, I ended up buying some games that uh, they're not really worth it. Have you experienced something negative with hyped games, I guess, in the past? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if I have. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, not that I can think of, because I mean, a lot of times mm -hmm. there'd be the hype. Um, I think, like you mentioned, Wingspan or... Um, like when um, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion came out, like oh, there yeah. was a lot of hype around that, and that was just hard to find as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think sometimes, like you know, for a lot of the ones, I've either gotten um, some of the things like the board game auctions or some of the um, like secondhand places after the hype's died down a little bit. So I've had yeah. some time to do some more research and um, and you know pick pick and choose with those. But I definitely think. Um, there are some games for that each year that we run to at Gen Con on Thursday mm -hmm. and we haven't played in, you know, a year or two. Um, <laughs> and they're not bad games, but you know, it's, you know, they're anticipated so highly and then you get them and it's just, it's an okay game, yeah. but it's, you know, it's not a game that, um, you know, brings us back every time. So can you remember, uh, what has been your most hyped game? Like a game that you've been like either waiting from Kickstarter or like, you know, trying to buy and whatever, like, and you you ultimately either getting a copy of it or you're still waiting. Which one has been your most hyped game? And I'm not going to answer mine because then I would be a spoiler for what comes down the road. Uh, but which has been, or I can mention, well, no, I don't want to mention one because that one is also there. So I don't want to spoil, but I will mention, I will say which ones are once uh, we go down the list, but which one has been your most hyped game ever, probably? Um. I mean, I think probably one of the bigger Kickstarters I've done was the like the Dinosaur Island one with the, like the All In. Okay. Um, with the hype from the first, you know, when that first came out. So yeah. That was probably the the biggest Kickstarter that I was looking forward to the most. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, besides that, I remember even just um, when I got um, after we had played Blood Rage. Mm -hmm. When Rising Sun came to retail, like I was excited to get that and try that. Yeah. Um, you know, based on what I had heard about the Kickstarter and, um, you know, everything from Simon and Eric Lang anyway, um, you know, knowing that, so that was yeah. probably one of the ones that I was also more excited to, yeah, it's crazy to because, finally get a copy of. Because I'm actually, I mean, I'm a very easy target from the hype, uh, marketing. So, so I have to be careful with that. Uh, so anyway, that was my number for, uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Uh, once again, a, dev, a game that I highly recommend if you're a solo player, once again, uh, or if you have a gaming group, you will have a blast. There's a bunch of videos uh, around on YouTube from amazing content creators. Uh, there's one in particular from uh, Michael Kelly from One Stop Co-op Shop um, that he made about solo mode and Lost Race and Arnak, and he's very good. I highly recommend it to go and check it out. Um, but but yeah, that was my number four. Jonathan, we are getting down to the big to the big part, you know, the top three games of 2021. That means the top three games that brought, uh, you know, adventures and and cool experiences to to the table. Because sometimes board games, well, not sometimes. I'm a true believer that board games are all about experience. Uh, you know, a good game has to give you a good experience from the from the playthrough, or from the adventure, or from the, that gaming night. Uh, so, with that being said, which one is your number three, Jonathan? Well, before you said, let me ask me for you know which kind of uh, first player token you want. I don't know if I have the type that you're gonna ask right now because I don't know what's coming. But just go ahead, try me. I will try to find something for you. Well, it might be hard because these games don't usually have first player tokens. But if okay. you can set your your timer on your phone for 60 minutes, that's 
probably all I'll need from you. Okay, let, let me then I will do this, which is hard for me because I'm usually on my phone a lot during the day. <laughs> no texting. No texting. Yeah, I will. I will hand you my phone right now. Then I will put the the timer, and I will put it right now sixty minutes, and I will click start. Here you are, my friend. I'm passing it to you. Go ahead with your number three of this year. So I kind of cheated here, and my number three is a category, which I know I've talked about in previous years, um, but I wanted to highlight um, some of the different escape room games that I've played this year, okay. especially because I've branched out and we've tried some different ones. Um, I mean, we're, we're all up to date on the exits and on locks, so I don't have as much to talk about with those. Exit mm -hmm. introduced puzzles instead of having the booklet, and that was pretty cool um, to have a change um, from just kind of having the escape room booklet, but... Um, the ones I wanted to talk about in particular, um, one of the brands is Escape Room in a Box, okay. which I believe there are three of those out now. Um, it's made by Mattel, and you can get them, I think, at Target, Barnes & Noble, uh, very accessible. Um, you've probably seen it. They've got some different colorful boxes, um, but the first one is, I believe, the Werewolf Experiment, and the cool thing about these games, um, you still get the different puzzles and everything, but... It's almost like doing a regular escape room. Like you open it up and there's some different papers and things that you do, but it also has some little boxes that actually have little plastic locks that you have to figure out the combinations to. Like you're actually in a room where you have to you know, open the lock and do things versus, you know, either exit where you, you know, get the cards and they tell you what to do or unlock where you get the cards and you put them in the app and it tells you what to do. This one, you actually open locks and you get more um, puzzles and um, put them all together to, to figure out the final thing. So, um, That one started with the werewolf experiment, and it's very good. Usually I just do them with my wife because it's so hard to split up an escape room with more than two people. Uh, but for most of these, it either has two or three little modules, so you could split them into groups and focus on those and then kind of come back together and put the clues together to solve them. So the werewolf experiment had that. Um, I forget the name of the second one, but it was kind of like a flashback one, almost like with some information, like a prequel to the werewolf one. And then the one that you would probably like the most would be the third one, which was uh, Walking Dead themed. Oh, okay. Um, and I was kind of disappointed because it's very, very lightly themed. Like you're in the Walking Dead universe, and that's it. Like there's no, there's no Rick. <laughs> there, there's no, um, you know, there's none of that. Like I was going to, I was going to ask you like which ones are the character because now, you know, I, I'm kind of interested. But then you say like no one. Okay, then it's just zombies probably. <laughs> yeah, it. pretty much. Okay. So. Um, but that was really fun. It had a little bit of a different mechanic um, um, with that gameplay, but um, still within that system. So I've really enjoyed doing those. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one was a Kickstarter that I did, um, and it's called The Fairy Tale Files. I haven't um, had all of them yet. They've released two of them um, out of four. But it's a little bit different than um, some of the other ones and some of the other apps. Um, it was a Kickstarter by the Society of Curiosities. I think okay. they're based out of Hawaii, um, but they call them the Fairy Tale Files murder murder mystery games. So the first one I think was Cinderella theme, and um, like some other games or even like Chronicles of Crime, you get clues and you look at the different scenes and figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. But you interface with their website or app, and it's um, like the mirror on the wall, like from the fairy tales. Yeah. So it'll say, where do you want to go next? And then you tell it, and then it'll give you some options or it'll ask you questions. And so they've programmed it to be pretty cool where you interact with this interface um, and it can help you, but it's really just kind of guiding you along the story 
um, and making sure that you find the clues that you need. And then at the end, so far, it'll ask, you know, who, who do you think was the murderer? It'll give you case files. Like the second one was, um, I think it was set in the Snow White universe. So it was like, was it the queen? Was it Snow White? Um, and so it's kind of a mix of an escape room with a murder mystery, but I really like the little app that comes with it. Um, they just send you a little packet of papers and maybe a couple little trinkets that you use for each game um, in the mail when they come out. So the next one, I believe, will be hopefully later this month or in January, and it's, I think, Red Riding Hood. And then they'll have one more, and then I believe the whole set will be available Like if, if somebody wanted to get all four of them. Um, but definitely a little bit different if you're like me and you've exhausted most of the escape room options. I would definitely check out the fairy tale files. The fairy tale files. Now, uh, you know, I feel like um, with with you, my friend, we always every year we're gonna have at least one of the uh, one of the places will be for escape room. Uh, mm -hmm. We have talked about this before. It's kind of like a, a big positive bias that you have. Or, Um, my friends, if you want to hang out with someone and go to a escape room, like a physical escape room, then you have to call Jonathan because uh, he's very good at it. You know, you're always trying to figure out all the, the hidden clues. Um, and also, you probably own the biggest collection of escape rooms, or you have played probably the biggest collection of escape rooms that I know from, and from probably all the gamers that I know in Indianapolis, which I know probably around 60 people that I know they're gamers. Um, or probably more, and you. I'm sure that you are the one that plays the most uh, escape rooms. Uh, and that brings me to a question: You let me one this year that I haven't touched still, and I know I need to play it because the theme is there. Uh, but I would like to make a little bit of parenthesis here, and I want you to talk us about it a little bit, even if it's not included on your top five. Uh, and I'm talking about the Star Wars, right? The Star Wars Unlock, uh, without spoilers, of course. Uh, just just brief thoughts on the Star Wars one because I feel like if I would have played that one, who knows that might would have be ended up in this list or at least in this episode. So especially because of the IP, right? Like I don't I don't I don't think there's any other Star Wars escape room around other than that one, the unlock one. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, not that I know of. I think probably with the license and everything, they're probably um, you know locked in with Space Cowboys to do if they're going to do more unlocks or something like that. Um, and I think I talked about it briefly as maybe one of my surprises or favorite games of last year because it came out in December. Um, but it's definitely a good intro. Um, it's one of the more recent ones that I've done. And I'd say, like you said, I've done most of them. It's definitely not as challenging as some of the other unlocks or even some of the, especially the exits, I feel like are more challenging. Um, And it's definitely not that, but I enjoyed it for the theme. Um, they did a good job of either hinting at some Star Wars characters or um, bringing you into the universe. Um, and it was definitely more thematic than the Walking Dead one I just talked about. Um, <laughs> but you, you get in there, and I mean, it's set, and you can kind of tell, oh, like I'm in, in this part of the story or this part of the Star Wars timeline. Um, you know, even if you're not necessarily interacting like with. Luke or Vader or whatever, like you still know where you are when you're there. So it still feels like you're just, you know, like an extra in the movie going okay. through these things. Um, but they are definitely more entry level. I mean, I think they do get harder as you go through the, the three in the box. The last one I think was more challenging. Okay. Um, but there's a whole book that comes with it that has the answers. So even if you get stuck, like, you know, I could see, especially for you, like you like the theme. So yeah. It may not be as fun if you get stuck to sit there for 10 minutes trying to figure out this clue. 
Um, and you just want to get, you know, get more into the story and more into the theme. So I think it's nice, you know, either for that situation, if you're coming in more as a Star Wars fan, or if, you know, you have younger kids that want to do it, you know, having that book so you don't get frustrated and spend as much time on a clue and you can proceed um, with that and it'll help you through so you can have more of the Star Wars experience. So it's kind of an odd one because it's not, you know, if you only want it for Star Wars and you don't like escape room games, you may or may not like all of them. Um, and if you're in for escape room games, don't really care about Star Wars, it may not be as much of a challenge. Um, but I enjoyed it because I like both things. Um, so it just I, I would do some research. I know you ha- I let you borrow mine, but you know if somebody else is looking at it um, to see if it kind of fits something that you're interested in because it is kind of a weird, a weird space with the IP in the escape room. There you go. Let's let's try the Star Wars one. I promise you, Jonathan. I'm gonna. Try it before the winter ends, I promise you. And I'm going to play it and I will tell you all about it once I do it. Now, Jonathan, if you don't mind, and wh- by the way, I'm not going to give you the ranking of the BGG of these ones that you mentioned because yeah, there will, <laughs> will be a lot. Uh, um, you know, I hope, I, I wish The Walking Dead would be more thematic in the way it would be more appealing to me, but it seems like clearly not. Uh, yeah. So um, let's jump into, into my number three and for this, Jonathan. I will need, uh, if you can lend me uh, a spaceship, one of those, that, that big spaceship that is behind you on the counter. Uh, and also I will need, uh, you know, your your keys in that way I can start it. So if you don't mind handing me that, I know it's heavy, I'm sorry, but, you know, there you go. And yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice spaceship, you know, I really like how the doors, I really like now how, I really like how the, the shape is like kind of rounding. Uh, but anyway, for our story, we're going to go deep in space and... We go probably through a black hole as well. And we ended up landing in galaxies, unknown galaxies, actually. Imagine like Interstellar, the movie, or, uh, you know, which is one of my favorite movies. Or imagine Space Odyssey, which is one of my favorite. 2001 Space Odyssey, which is one of my favorites as well. Uh, actually, there's a fun story there. Jonathan and I, we went and watched it in IMAX. That will be a story that probably we already told sometime or that we will tell in the future because I'm telling the story of the game. But... Um, Uh, We are traveling through this interstellar uh, travel, uh, I guess. Uh, And, you know, as we're going exploring and, you know, uh, shifting around different planets and some suns and and solar systems, uh, I'm a terrible uh, captain, you know, a terrible driver. Um, So because of that, we're going to end up landing on a planet, on a desert planet. Or it could be a planet that is very humid. Who knows? It's an unknown planet. And as soon as we um, as soon as we get there, Jonathan, uh, we get scared, of course. Um, and also, well, we need to pack our things because we're gonna try to explore that planet, right? With us, we're gonna bring Eva, and Eva is uh, you know a small ship that she can help us. Like a, think about it like an R two D two kind of, all right? Uh, but instead of being a droid, it's like a ship or a droid ship or something like that. But it's called Eva, right? Uh, and Eva is going to help us to explore in that way we don't fall into dangerous places. Um, and she can gather some samples for, for us as well. Um, anyway, uh, Jonathan, you and I, have we have some knowledge on uh, chemistry, some basic knowledge on ch- chemistry. We have some uh, knowledge on um, some um, in science. And also, we have that will, right? That strength that that we want to use as energy, of course, in the most efficient way. In that way, uh, we can, we can uh, you know, avoid spending time unnecessarily because ultimately, as the days go by, uh, our, our stamina is dragging and at some point we're just going to, you know, 
ended up dying, you know, because we only have so much food and so much energy that we can use. As we go down from the ship, Jonathan, we start to explore, right? We are in this planet, which once again, we found out that is humid. And we're exploring through different, um, what if we translate to a board game, it will, there will be tiles, you know, big rectangular tiles, because it's different zones that we're exploring. And every time that we're exploring one, uh, you know, we some we see some vegetation there, some uh, almost like insects as well, uh, and we start to to take the opportunity, um, which is what is called in the game, to research those things, and we start to gather some knowledge. We start to improve our skills on 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 knowing more about the chemistry of the of the planet, and about you know our energy engineering uh, knowledge of the planet. I guess if you wanna we wanna look or a scientific knowledge of the planet, if you wanna look at it that way, um, and then. Uh, on our first adventure on the planet, of course, then we discover uh, some spores that, you know, they can give us some kind of hallucin hallucinations as well. Uh, as we develop those knowledge that I spoke before, uh, we get better skills, we get more skills in a certain way. Different cards, because they will translate it to a board game in a, in, a, in a cards way, that those cards will help us to do better things. Uh, you know, as, the, as, the, as we do actions... On this story and on the board game, uh, we got a, we get a track that is gonna keep pushing, keep pushing like a timing track. Imagine, right? And that will give us some pressure to do things efficiently, right? Uh, and then we're gonna discover that there's no enemies here, there's no aliens, there's no xenomorphs, there's no walkers or zombies, of course. There's no, there's not a Jason X in space, right? <laughs> Talking about slashers and bad slashers movies. Uh, there's there's nothing like that but we know that if we don't figure it out how to get out of here and to reset the planet really quick we're gonna die so we need to survive um and the game that i'm talking about finally uh it's named unsettled the board game and it's published by orange nebula uh the same publisher that did uh vindication and uh, before I give you the stats, let me keep talking about the game. We have this track as well, as I was saying on the story, that as we're doing actions, time is passing by. It's as, and as, as time passes by, our characters are going to start to get more, um, let's call it more fatigued, right? So the fatigue track or the energy track or the stamina track is going to start to decrease. Uh, we're going to be able, as we go through the game as well, to improve some skills with knowledge, with um taking opportunities to opportunities to investigate in different areas on the planet and we're going to improve this, those knowledge and ultimately we're going to get skills uh we're also going to be able to build some labs uh some buildings that they will kind of help us to do certain abilities and the way that we do actions is in a very interesting way because we're going to have three dice that they're not actually dice they are like action markers so each die will have like a face of with a three pips and then two and then one and then nothing basically so on your turn you're going to do some free actions but also you can do up to three actions with those dice with one of them has to be rest uh, but when the interesting thing is like when you place your dice in every almost in every zone except uh recovery you're gonna down downgrade the di the dice for example if it was three pip now it's gonna be two pip and you're gonna do the action some actions will require to downgrade two pips and if you if that die gets exhausted well you know you cannot use it until you use that die to recover in that way you can bring those pips back um also it has a very interesting mechanic that if you get uh, you know, damage in a way, uh, because the planet, you know, either an infection or something, you're going to block some of your action uh, areas on your on your board. 
Uh, and if you, uh, in order to recover, well, you have to do the recovery action. But if you do the recovery action on yourself, then there's another track that it will that it will cause uh, what they call a, like a treason, right? Like you're betraying your your friend because you're being selfish because you're using the time to heal yourself instead of using the time for the team. So that will be something punishing. So the way that you can recover more efficiently is asking for help to someone that is in your same area or adjacent to your area. And ultimately, this game is going to resolve, is going to end up resolving like in a puzzle way. There's a lot to talk about the game, and I'm just going very, very brief about it um, because there's a lot to talk about it. I love the setup of the game where it everything comes in game trays. Uh, the main uh, box is going to include you four different planets that you can play, and each planet has three different adventures. So you have to do the three adventures on each planet or resolve the three adventures on each planet in order to get the experience. Uh, they adjust by difficulty. Uh, and I like the the story way that you don't know what's coming up, right? Like, so for example, that story about the spores is the spoiler of the first mission of the first planet, the easy one. But then after you uh, fulfill the mission on whatever the card says, uh, then you're going to go to Adventure 2 and everything some stuff can change, right? Like you're going to find out something about those sports that you're going to be like, oh boy, uh, you know, so um, things like that. So it's a pretty cool game or survival uh, where the interesting thing is that there's no combat, which is weird, you know, because um, most of the cooperative survival games will have some sort of combat, right? Including one of my favorites, which is Robinson Crusoe, uh, which I kind of compare to this in, in the possibly way. Um, it has some combat, right? When you go to hunt or when something comes out or whatever. This one, there's no combat. It's just survival. But it's, it, it, it's in a puzzling way that it also has like a strong theme on it uh, and a strong mechanics that it doesn't feel like a puzzle in a way at the same time. So once again, let me give you the stats from BGG. It's ranked overall on a thousand and the place uh, 1,695. Uh, it has an 8.3 rating. Uh, on BGG, it was released in 2021 at Sandbox Survival Game in the Visar and Wondrous Riches of This Space. Uh, two to four players, but actually you can play it solo because it's fully cooperative. Uh, playing time 60 to 90 minutes, age uh, 14 year plus, weight complexity 3.09 out of 5. Designers are Mark Nidlinger, Tom Matson, artist is Bartek Fredisak, and the publisher, and Krista Zimmerman, I'm sorry, and the publisher is Orange Nebula. Once again, the same ones from Vindication. Um, and then you can get, I was able and, and lucky enough to. Last Gen Con, they had the all-in pledge because this game is very hard to find, Jonathan. Uh, and I just jumped blindly and got the game. I remember seeing it on Kickstarter before, but I didn't end up buying it just because, I don't know, something told me not to buy it and the production seemed like too much. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm very glad that I picked it up in Gen Con. Uh, the all-in, basically at the same price. Because it's a game that I definitely want to try with you guys. Uh, and it's a very fun game. And that will be on my number three of this year. What do you think, Jonathan, with what I told you? There's a lot of stuff in this game. There's a lot of puzzling. There's a lot of thinking. And there's a lot of uh, cooperativeness, I guess. Yeah, I don't really... I mean, I remember seeing it on Kickstarter. But I really didn't know much about the game. So, like, as you're describing it, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't think I've played whatever game this is. Yeah. And then you're describing this planet and I'm like, it kind of reminds me of the part in Galaxy Quest where they have to go find the Beryllium Core and they find this deserted planet uh-huh. and they're trying to survive and there's those little aliens that come out and things happen and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to try it, you know, based off your description, I think it'll be interesting to see how it is different, you know, not having combat and all of that and just trying to survive yeah, with within that universe with those mechanics. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a game that when I read the instruction, I saw like because they also said like you know this puzzle adventure, and I'm like, oh man, I got a puzzle. You know, it's not like this is not what I was looking for and whatever. But when I played it, I was blown away. I was blown away so much that it's on my number three. You know, um, so. So yeah, it's definitely a game that is, is worth trying. Once again, it's it's hard to find, uh, but if you're able to find the all-in pledge, it's very cool because it it includes even the sleeves, every single thing, uh, and it, and it has these nice game trays, you know, that we love. That it makes the setup so easy because everything is there. Uh, so you just pull everything up, set up the planet, and you're good to go. Uh, and and you know, and that's a very nice thing of the game. But anyway. I'm looking forward to show it to you guys, um, you know, uh, Jonathan. And also, um, I need to do an episode about it, you know, because there are some pictures that I share uh, on Instagram, um, you know, in, in that way you can go and check it out over there. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Solo BG Podcast, um, because I post some pictures there when I played it. And I think it's a beautiful game. I think it's a very smart design game. Now I want to try Vindication because I know Vindication has been, you know, a big game around recently. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play it, but you know, it seems like the two games that Orange Nebula has released so far, they're they're being good games. Now, um, just stay tuned because I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe next year they're gonna come out with a Kickstarter campaign for uh, Unsettled uh, with new planets and stuff. So that might be your chance to get you know all in stuff. Hopefully, you can play it before that, Jonathan. I'm sure you will, and that way you can think about it back down there if you wanna get your own copy of Unsettled, uh, but th there is, so anyway, that was my number three, Jonathan, uh, I'm, um, I know you are looking forward to trying it, because the story, even I, I recognize it was, you know, very, <laughs> very good, I guess, almost like, like a film, like a sci-fi films, uh, you know, then in the future, we will tell, we will tell at some point our story that we share with 2001 Space Odyssey, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that we watch it on IMAX, and, and in the meantime, um, you know, let's go with your number two because um, I know your number two also, it involves some space and some, uh, you know, some exploring. Uh, so I, I wonder why can I give you as your first player token? Um, I don't have any planet with me here. Um, I don't have any ships with me other than this big ship that you, that you just hand to me. What can I give you? Can you think about something? Um, maybe a telescope, or okay. Um, if you got like a scientific theory, or you know, a, well, like actually, a, a actually, theory I, token. I always carry a scientific theory on my wallet. Let me take it out, you know, just in case. You never know when you're gonna use a scientific theory, even if it's from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. So um, there's a scientific theory to you. Here you go. It's 20 pages only, so knock yourself out. Um, and I have this telescope that I have here by my window, so let me just carry it. Oh, man, this is kind of hard to take it out of the window. Okay, it's there. Okay, let's pull it out right now. Okay, cool. So here it is. I'm going to put it here on the table. There you go. You're probably here when I put it here because it's big. Um, go for it. Knock yourself out uh, and don't explore too much. Don't waste too much time on that telescope unless you need to. Go ahead with your number two, my friend. So I think this one will... Probably not be a surprise, especially for solo uh -huh. gamers. Um, but my number two is the search for Planet X yeah. um, from mm -hmm. Renegade Games. Mm -hmm. And um, this is one that I had heard a lot about. And then um, I think Caleb got it, and I tried it with him. And it's definitely very um, like a logic deduction puzzle. So um, one of the cool things with this, everybody has the same objective. 
you're trying to figure out what is in either the 12 sectors or if you're playing an expert mode, um, I think it's 18 sectors, but each one has some sort of um, celestial body. So it could be Planet X, it could be a, a gas cloud, an asteroid, comet, um, but you're trying to figure that out. And so like some other games like Clue or some of the other deduc deduction games, you get some information and then you ask questions to get more information and narrow it down. But what this game does, um, and I've heard it compared to Alchemists, or a part of the game Alchemists, and I've not played that. Um, and I think that's a little bit more involved, and there's other things going on in a longer game. But this one is just that logic deduction part. So you have the app, um, and you go on there, and you can set your difficulty. So if you're playing it competitively, you know, let's say I'm playing it, and I've played it 20 times. I could set myself as an expert level, where I only get four clues at the beginning of the game but you know let's say you have somebody new or maybe a younger person and they wanted to play you could set it for beginner mode um and it could go anywhere from giving somebody 12 clues to zero clues depending on which difficulty they want so you can definitely adjust for your audience but that way you know if you have a gaming group with four people and everybody's at a different level you can set the game on their on their phones to be at the level that they need to be and so that way it still would play like you're all, you know, playing together and it would still be a challenge. Um, but basically what you're doing is you're moving your marker on the board, depending on what action you take. You can either um, do some research where you find out um, something specific for each game and it could tell you about what the dwarf planet does or how the comets interact with the asteroids or something like that. That's how you get your clues on trying to figure out where everything is. Or you could survey... And let's say you're looking for asteroids in sectors one through four, and they'll tell you that you know there could be two of them. Um, and you go around the board, um, and depending on action you take, it moves you forward. And it's like some other games where whoever's furthest back gets to be the next player. So some of the strategy is, you know, do I want to take the action now, or I jump ahead four spaces, or should I just do some research, move one space, and then take another action after that? Um, so there's some of that puzzle there. Um, you do get some information based on what other people do. Um, when you play solo, there's a bot, and the app is very good at keeping track of where the bot is. It'll check every time you know the bot is in sector 10, and then you would either hit the button for what would they do. If they want to submit a theory, it'll tell you that, um, and you just go until somebody finds planet X, and then everybody else gets one more turn, or the bot or you would take another turn, and you can either try to find planet X or go th through um, submitting a couple other theories to try to get more points. And then you just add up the points at the end of the game for anything that you got correctly. And if you found Planet X and whoever has the most points wins. Um, I've tried it a few different times on solo, on regular um, difficulty or the standard mode and the expert mode. Um, I'm about 50-50 on the regular. I've only done expert once and I got destroyed. Because <laughs> um, there's 18 sectors, I think, and so there's a lot more to find. And I had figured out maybe a third of that, and the bot already figured out where Planet X was, so I had no way to, no way to catch up. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely fun. It's you know it's definitely one that if you like the puzzle, if you like that deduction, um, you know logic deduction part of it, I definitely recommend it um, for a solo game or you know for any group of people to play to play competitively. Um, it's definitely a very good one. Okay, so there you go. You know, this one, the search for Planet X, uh, Jonathan, I remember I played it once with you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and I was appealed because of the theme, honestly. I, 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 
I didn't knew anything about the about the mechanic of the game. Then uh, when you guys show it to me, you know, I feel like I remember the game, but I don't remember per se. Like now that you're talking about the game, it comes back. But I feel like it's a game that I probably should try again. But I feel at the same time that not because it's not a good game, it doesn't fall too much into my cup of tea. Just because, for example, this one comparing to Unsettled, like I feel like this one has more puzzling aspect versus mm -hmm. the theme versus Unsettled. It's of course completely different games, right? But in in the in Unsettled is like the theme. And then the mechanic. Does that make sense? Kind of theme and mechanic versus here is more mechanic. And then, well, let's throw uh, uh, an appealing theme, right? I feel like it could be find anything else, and it, it didn't have to be space. Well, of course, it works very well, but I feel like you could put you could put you know any other theme just because the puzzling mechanism of the game. Um, I want to try it again, just because that part of me forcing it to love the game. Uh, and since you both own it, well, might as well. Uh, but um, you know, I, I do remember that, like this is definitely a game that if you're uh, if you like this kind of puzzling game, then it's definitely I can see like being in the top top three of puzzling games probably. Um, but but it de it definitely has that aspect, right? Like you have to enjoy this kind of mechanics and in, in games in order to kind of like enjoy that much. This one, don't you think? I would agree. Um... And with this one, like you said, it's not very dependent on the theme. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, it works great with the game. But, I mean, you could have, I don't know, like you could have that you're looking for the lost tribe of Arnak or whatever. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. they don't, you know, they don't live next to the blue people or whatever. And you, you could do something <laughs> very, you know, whatever with a different theme. Yeah. Um, as long as you have something where there's different conditions and it can change every game on what's next to what in 12 zones but it just works with space because there's so many different you know asteroids and comets and different things so it's yeah um definitely an easy theme to use but you definitely have to like that puzzle because there's really not much else i mean there's, there's definitely not much else to the game um and yeah. it really is just that puzzly um deduction and it could be hard for you too i know how thematic you like to get and have your space music on the background and yeah do all the other kinds of stuff and i tried doing it with the tv on and i could not watch seinfeld and <laughs> think very well so i had to turn the tv off so i mean i think it's hard it's a hard one to play if you like some of the, that background stuff to get into the theme mm -hmm. that could almost be distracting for you i, I would think as you're trying to you know think through and if, if you're trying to beat the bot you definitely need to be able to concentrate so and i think i think that one of the things that i remember is how well the app integrates with the game I mean, it works great, you know. It's very smooth and it's and it's useful. It's not like a like a complimentary thing. I mean, you you have to to have the app or download the app, but it works great, like very smoothly. Because I remember noticing that when we played it. So that's another thing, um, Jonathan. Before we jump into my number two, I want I want to start with those uh, twist plot, I guess, if you want to call it or plot twist, right? That's what I call it, plot twist. I'm saying it all mm -hmm. wrong. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I want I want you to to tell me your um, you know the surprise of this year, like that that uh, hidden gem that you found this year and that you played this year, and you were like, well, I mean, I wasn't expecting too much, but you know, this this is actually pretty good. You know, uh, which will which one which one will be? Um, well, this year is definitely a year for that, especially with a lot of the big publishers not being at Gen Con. Uh huh. Um, you know, I think there was maybe like 200 games. And yeah. That's kind of stretching it. 
mm-hmm. that were released at Gen Con or for demos. So I feel like a lot of the ones that I saw there, and it, I mean, we got through the whole convention in two days to see everything. I feel like a lot of those were kind of hidden gems. I mean, there were definitely some ones that had more buzz, like, um, uh, which one? Like On the Rocks, I know had a lot of buzz. Um, uh-huh. And some other maybe smaller games. I mean, there, there wasn't anything super huge. But I think for me, one of the ones that I found at Gen Con that I kind of heard of, I mean, I recognized the publisher, but I didn't really know anything about the game, was Maglev Metro okay. um, by Bezier Games. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, one of my favorite games from last year was Whistle Mountain, and that's also from Bezier. Um, but Maglev Metro um, is from Ted Alsbach, and it is a pick-up-and-deliver game, and I don't have any of those. So um, it was kind of cool um, being at Gen Con. I think it was on the Thursday, and I mean, it was crowded, but I mean, obviously not like it's ever been in previous years. Sure. So you got to demo the entire game. So <laughs> so we waited. Which is and, which is weird, right? For for yeah. for Jengon, yeah. So I mean, we were probably there for forty five minutes. Um, you know, just playing two players, me and my wife, and uh-huh. um, you know, basically what it is is you're setting up a metro station. And I think it'll be like some of the other games, like Ticket to Ride or Downforce, where you have a different map that'll come out and have different, you know, different um, features to it. But the basic mechanics is you're building, you know, this metro magnetic um, um, train line, mm-hmm. and you initially start with androids, and they have different functions on the train, and they can um, do different things. Yeah, and you sort of build an engine where you can, um, you know, start to pick up different passengers that are associated with certain things. So I, f- I forget the different ones, but you know, the pink passengers are there and they have to, you have to pick them up and then take them to a pink location and drop them off. And that's how you get points and you add them to your board and you can score different ways. Um, but you're basically moving around these little meeples that you have and you're, you know, picking up these passengers and dropping them off and getting different bonuses. So you're building routes um, on a smaller scale within this Metro system and sort of building up your engine, um, you know, to um, move these meeples around and add them to your scoring. Um, and it's really cool because it has acrylic tiles, so each player will have the tiles, and they're made to overlap. So if mm-hmm. I'm the blue player, I could build a route to a different station, and if you're the orange player, you can put your tiles, if you wanted to go the same way or part of the way, and then turn. Um, they're clear except for your color, and they've made it so the different routes can overlay with each other, and you can go different ways. So... It almost kind of looks like those posters in a subway um, where it shows you the different train lines. Um, that's kind of what the board ends up looking like. So okay. um, never heard of it before really until I got there and then I saw it and um, we played it and it's really cool. So I'm looking forward to playing it with you guys um, yeah. just because it's so different than I think most of the other games we have so far. Yeah, it sounds different. It kind of like, the on- I think the only pickup, well, one of the few pickup and deliveries that I own is uh, Terror Below from Renegade mm-hmm. Games. Um, those are usually fun, you know. I, I actually my experiences with pickup and delivery are usually fun. And I was scrolling through through the website, you know, looking at the pictures of this one. It looks pretty cool. It has a, yeah. a, a nice presentation on the table. Um, you know, just really quick, it, it came out in 2021. Uh, efficiency is the key to rebuilding the city transit with maglev tech. Uh, 7.3 on uh, BGG. Uh, we don't care about that. <laughs> uh, one point four, one to four players, uh, and a weight complexity of 2.75 out of five. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward also to try it. I mean, it, it seems fun. It seems definitely my cup of tea, uh, theme wise, kind of like sci-fi ish and, you know, uh, space, I guess in a way. Uh, so, so I'm looking forward to, to give it a try. Very technological. 
Um, you know, and, and I want to share with you, and just very briefly, because uh, I'm going to uh, do an episode about it as well, but I want to share with you uh, my hidden gem of this year. Um, and that game is uh, Champions of Hara, right? So once again, we go back to Gen Con stories. Very different Gen Con, and I'm passing by through the wood of uh, Greenbrier Green Games, uh, and on that same booth, they have Folklore uh, The Affliction. Uh, so I went and asked for a review copy of Folklore The Affliction, right? And they were very kind, and, you know, they hand me one. We, we, we you know, I deal with them before in the past uh, for the podcast purposes. Very nice people. Um, and um, as I'm there, they were like, hey, are you interested in, in taking a look at this game? And I'm like, sure, this huge box called Champions of Horror, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know anything about it, but I will give it a try. It looks cool. The art looks cool. Um, and basically, I'm just going to say this. Uh, you know, Jonathan, that you and I, we are huge fans of a Dragon Ball universe, especially especially myself, Dragon Ball Z. Um, uh, super, I really enjoyed it, but, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z is probably my favorite. Uh, from the whole saga, it's probably... Uh, Frieza is, is, is my favorite cell as well. Um, but, um, you know, we, you and I, we've been looking for a, for a, for a good <laughs> Dragon Ball uh, board game, you know, because other than the, the card game that you had, which is the like kind of like a... Uh, it's not a is it a trading card game? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it a trading card game, the Dragon Ball that you have, the Super? Um, I can't remember. It's either a TCG or a CCG, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely one of one of those because it's that it's random what you get in a pack yeah but that that's a nice and fun game like i actually told you the other day i want to play it again um but um this one will be for me like a dragon ball the board game basically where you have to uh, get out of the dojo uh you have different uh you know tiles that each tile has hexagons um and you know in each tile there's different it's different basically different regions of hara and you're one of those champions right that you're trying to look for uh, to in- improve your energy, your tracks of energy by doing different things. And then once you collect that energy, once you reach uh, the max level, it's kind of like similar to collecting the Dragon Balls and then going back to uh, um, what is the house in, in English? Because I, I remember I used to watch Dragon Ball in Spanish, but what is, what is the uh, Master Roshi's house? What's called the Kame House? The Kame House, uh, yes. Yeah, you, ha- you, you have to go back to Kame House to uh, you know summon Shenlong in that way, you can ask for your wish. And for me, this is kind of like the same idea. Uh, this game has a lot of interesting mechanics, similar mechanics to Mage Knight, believe it or not. Um, and I'm looking forward to do an episode about it because, you know, not only because I really enjoy the game, but also, uh, you know, for review purposes, as my hidden gem of this year. And because the people from Green Beer Games, they were very nice and they hand me a copy. So that's that's my hidden gem of the year. I know uh, I played it with uh, Caleb. I played it solo as well. I started to paint some minis already because I really like the game. And we, we talked to you a little bit about it, uh, Jonathan, of the mechanics and stuff. And I think this is a game that you will really like, honestly, because he has that um, kind of like not engine builder, more like hand management, but, uh, you know, thinky aspect of it that, you know, that you have to trigger the cool abilities at the right time. And you're, you're very good at that. So I think this game will be definitely a surprise for you when the time comes and we play it together. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it just from you know, seeing the pictures and what you guys have said from it. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to playing it with both of you. Yeah, and uh, and my honorable mention of this year, which I don't know if you have won, Jonathan, or not, but I will jump in right now. Uh, it's uh, really quick from Simon Games, Ankh, Gods of Egypt. 
Uh, we played the game, you and I, Jonathan. We remember that it was it was a big fuss around the Kickstarter campaign because he has that merging, you know, mechanism where if we're playing three players, for example, just to explain really quick, if you and I were losing at some point, just like two rounds before the game ends, we're gonna merge, uh, and our gods are gonna basically one of the, whoever is winning is gonna be the main god. But we're gonna merge all our all our followers and abilities, and we can double actions and stuff, and then we can end up winning if because we're more powerful, right? That the one that is basically leading the game. Um, you know, the game it's great. I like it. It has that area control, uh, you know, aspect, that uh, action selection as well. Uh, that is a very important strategy they had to do during the game. The event phase, the hand management aspect as well. Uh, minis are amazing. They're precious, you know. Uh, components from the Kickstarter. Uh, campaign they are beautiful and this is one of the games that you want to get the kickstarter version in, all, in order to get those 3d uh, pyramids obelisks and temples because if you get the retail version well that you're stuck in it they don't look as cool as the 3d um uh, you know uh, miniatures look on the table uh but this is probably a game that i that once again honorable mention i really enjoyed it i had a blast and i have to say jonathan with what i remember from rising sun and what we recently played with Blood Rage, that definitely for me, this is the favorite on the trilogy, for me. And one of the big aspects, and we can we can talk about it, of course, um, you know, is that not too long ago, we played on your house Blood Rage, and it confirms what, what I hear and what I thought, that, you know, Blood Rage is a great game, don't get me wrong. It's a game that I want to own as well, just because it's good, and I think everybody should own a copy of Blood Rage if you have a gaming group. But... With Blood Rage, if you are not playing very well like I did last time, you can see after two rounds that basically you're not going to be able to win. It's going to be very hard. So you know you're done, basically, right? So you just play for the fun of it. Keep playing. Let's see what's happened. Let's see what how, how good I can make. But, but how, how good I can do, I'm sorry. But it's very hard that you're going to win. You can see that on the horizon. Uh, with Rising Sun, uh, I really like it. Um, but it's, it's different because it has that uh, political negotiation, I guess you want to call it, which is very fun that, you know, like, we're like, okay, like, okay, I give you this, I give you that, whatever, whatever, which back then, funny story, that's when I told Eric Lang on, on a convention that, you know, that I wanted to play the game without it, and I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of his of his mechanic. I think I said something like that, right? Something like, hey, Eric, like, you're great, but I hate, I didn't like your game, something like that. Um, but um, anyway, and, um, of course, that was a few years ago. So my maturity as a gamer, of course, it evolves, like probably every one of us. Uh, but then, then playing Ankh, I feel like the merging mechanic is, al- is also it's almost uh, something positive on the game because it kind of helps you with that catch-up uh, aspect of it, um, which it also, on the negative side, I guess, some people can try to cheat. And at some point, like, if, you've, if you see that you're not going to make it to be the first place, well, you can kind of negotiate with the other one, you know, like, hey, make sure you don't get behind or trying to help him or her in the way he doesn't get too far behind. In the way when you merge, well, you're not that far, uh, which that could be cheating as well. But I really, I, I think, I think production-wise and everything, I think this is, uh, you know, putting the whole product, the, the product as a whole, I think from the trilogy, I still want to own the trilogy, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, from, but from the trilogy, I think this is my favorite one. And uh, you have similar games. Another game you know that is similar is The Godfather. Not to Ang, but to those three games, right? It's kind of like a... has like that 
similarity in a way, but I think, and this will be an interesting theme to talk about in one future episode as well, I think what hurts the Godfather game is the theme. Me particularly, I like it, but I know a lot of people don't care about it, and I think the theme really hurt that game, because the design is very solid. Uh, so anyway, that's my favorite from the trilogy. What do you think, Jonathan? You played Ankh as well. Uh, I don't know where you place it on the trilogy. Yeah, and I've only played it that one time. Um, and I think, uh, because going into it, I had heard, you know, both sides of it about the merge. Um, and, you know, what people liked about it, what people didn't like about it. And I think when we played it, um, I mean, we didn't plan it that way, but we kind of knew where we were going to fall. And I think you and I merged, right? And Caleb was ahead of us. Yeah. Um, but I was still able to plan, like, oh, he's going to, you know, hit that this round. So I'm the, I was the lowest player, but even then, like I planned to, I think I got within like one point of view. So when we merged, we were almost as powerful as we could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really didn't think it was bad. Um, I don't know if I necessarily like loved it either, but I was fine with it. Um, but I think one of the things that I've heard a lot of, um, about this is that this is probably the best two player out of the trilogy. Okay. I know, I know for sure rising sun, I think there's probably a way to play it with two, but I think it's probably best at three or four because of the negotiation and you can have the alliances, mm-hmm. um, you know, each round. So I think if you played less than that, it would be hard to have that part of the game and it wouldn't be as good. Um, but I think so far out of all of them, blood rage is probably my favorite, but I've also played that one the most. Uh-huh. Um, and even this year, I, um, well, I know you played it with us, but like I got that blood rage at the, at an auction and it had like three of the expansions in there. So yeah, that was cool. That, you got <laughs> so, a good deal from me that I remember. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely been fun and I've enjoyed playing it with the expansions that we haven't played before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think we should have like an Eric Lang trilogy day and just play through them and see, cause I know it's been a while since we, we've played rising sun. And yeah. I think as a group, we've only played the Ankh the one time. So I think it would be helpful to, you know, play all three and then it'd be easier to compare um, or even do an episode about it where we could, you know, talk about the pros and cons of each one. That will be fun, you know, like a, like a Eric Lang. I wouldn't even call it trilogy. I w- I will be up to like let's do an Eric Lang game, uh, Eric Lang game day. You know, like the whole day. Like the, and, and we we might do that on our trip. You know, um, you know we 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 talk about this, but um, Jonathan, with our friend Caleb and I, we do a yearly trip, which. It's, we, it's called the Django Con, basically. That's how we baptize it, or how I baptize it. Uh, it's going to be another story about the, why the Django Con, right? <laughs> Which is a fun story, too. But, um, you know, we play games. We go there to St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, the reason why we go there, of course, because there's some famous store there that I'm not going to advertise, but, you know, they're probably one of the biggest online uh, retailers for, for board games and card games and stuff. They have their two stores over there, and we just get an Airbnb, uh, and it's two, two or three days, depending on our schedule, that we just eat junk food and, you know, we drinks, we have drinks, and it's just a, a guy's trip, right? Like, and not necessarily like a, like a, a dude's trip, but it's more because that's our group, uh, and we... And we just play games all day long for two, three days. So it might be something that we can do, Jonathan. You know, like either we can do trilogy or or we can, uh, you know, try to put all the Eric Lang games that we own. Like I can bring Godfather and Ankh. Uh, you can bring Rising Sun, Blood Rage, um, and then Caleb. I don't. I'm sure he has any other other. He has Bloodborne, which when was it by Eric Lang, um, and I don't know which other one he has. And that way we can probably play six Eric Lang games and see. What do we think about all of them? That will be interesting, right? 
Yeah, it'd be interesting just to do a comparison and see how things have changed over the years, too. Yeah, and then we rank it, you know. Uh, so that would be cool. Uh, and then do an episode about it, of course, because also Eric Lang has Cthulhu that may die. I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. Which is with Rob view, but, you know, it's still an Eric Lang game. So uh, also uh, Bloodborne, the, the new recent Kickstarter is by him. So there's many games that we can play from Eric Lang. So... So and and I'm sure that that's the thing you know when you see the when you see the name Eric Lang most likely it's going to be a good game or at least with solid mechanics so so there it is um that was my honorable mention and we're going to jump into my number 2 my friend and then we're going to go to number 1 which for number 1 we already know you and I which one it is and we will do something special right um so let me tell you this Jonathan and let me tell you let me see if you can guess and our friends can guess what I'm talking about okay for the first player talking Jonathan I will need if you can hand me that comic over there yeah, that one. No, no, not that one. The one on the left. Yeah, thank you. That one. Um, and also, do you mind handing me that Blu-ray set? Yeah. No, no, no. The one that is below. Thank you. Um, and just uh, hand me that that uh, fantastic statue over there that it's above my, uh, you know, glass counter. Yeah, that one. Okay, thank you. Good. All right. So now that I have these three things, uh, I'm going to tell you something. You probably get a hint because you're passing me these things. But um, uh, the visual st- I'm going to talk about a, a comic slash TV show, all right? Um, and I'm going to tell you this. The visual style of the series was based on the artwork of Radomsky. Uh, the gothic look of the city was derived from his initial designs. In addition, Radomsky issued standing order to the animation department to all backgrounds be painted using light colors on black paper, as opposed to the industry standard dark colors on white paper. The distinctive visual of combination of noir imaging Imaginary and Art Deco design it was dubbed to Dark Deco by producers. Um, this uh, show was a sequel to two Tim Burton's uh, films, which those films uh, be- uh, made me fall into this fantastic IP universe, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, this show, it was developed by Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, and Mitch Bryan. Uh, and it has many seasons, and the voices, of course, with these ones you will probably guess, Jonathan. The main voice is Kevin Conroy, uh, and for Ephraim Sembles Jr., Bob Hastings, Robert Costanzo, Lauren Lester, Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Uh, Luke Skywalker, and Arlene Sorkin. And the theme music composer is Danny Elfman, the main one. And then Shirley Walker did a lot of uh, good stuff with them, following movies from this TV show and also on uh, some episodes on the show. Uh, the show that I'm talking about, can you tell me the name, please, Jonathan, since probably you have enough hints uh, at this point. I also have an autograph from... Uh Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill on a poster. Oh boy, that's 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 and, like a dream come true. <laughs> and, and I had, um, but it was from the video game. Oh boy, no, um, Jonathan, I, come on, you should it should be from the show, man. Well, they voiced the video game too. The um, well, I don't want to say the name because I'll give it away too. <laughs> but I had Kevin Conroy write, um, "I am vengeance, I am the knight," because he was, of course, yeah. Batman. Sure, sure. So we're talking about Batman, the animated series. Uh, fun fact, also known as the Adventure of Batman and Robin. Um, and Batman the Animated Series is an American superhero, of course, movie uh, based on DC Comics. That's why I asked for the comic. And Batman, it was once again developed by this guy that I just mentioned. And he has he was aired on September 5th, 1992. And uh, it was ended up being 
the last episode was on September 15, 1995, with a total of 85 episodes. Then it continued with... Um, with uh i think another show right then it was that it was actually after that the adventures of batman and robin or not correct me if i'm wrong no i think that was one of i think that's maybe what it changed to like maybe in season two where they added robin mm -hmm. but it was part of the same series i think they just changed the name of it okay and then they released the comics by idw i think uh which those are straight continuation from it And the great news before I jump into the game, which I'm very, I'm very excited about it, is that on 2022, they're going to start to work on a podcast, on an audio drama, uh, which Kevin Conroy will be Batman again. Uh, and there's rumors that Mark Hamill is coming back uh, and a bunch of the cast is coming back to basically do this series of audio drama, which it will be a direct continuation from the last episodes of the series. So that will be pretty cool, especially you know, for people that we love uh, to consume audio streaming. Uh, so that will be something great, you know, and especially for my long trips to Texas. Uh, so, you know, that might be something really cool to, that I will be looking forward next year. And of course, I'm talking about Batman, the animated series adventures. Um, and it's uh, Shadow of the Bat is the base game. Jonathan, this was a Kickstarter talking about hype that I was very excited about it. Um, I backed it about two years ago. Of course, if you put Batman on Kickstarter for me, it's all in. And I went all in. And let me tell you, Jonathan, what a game, my friend. It's everything that a Batman game is supposed to be. Uh, last year, I gave number one uh, to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Uh, the change is constant and City Fall. Uh We andale, uh, actually, I was going to say andale in Spanish. <laughs> like actually, um, that was one of the biggest deception of last year for for I think Caleb and I don't know about you too, um, but it was because the their rule book. Remember how how bad it was, um, and um, you know the, I I think I, I told this story before, but the designer Speed Walsh. Let me give you the stats right away. Eight point two on BGG. Um, right right now the rating. It's still more more ratings getting in. It's, the game is just getting to backers, one to five players, um, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, H, H14 euro plugs, complexity of 3.3 out of 5, designer by Pete Walsh and Kevin Wilson, um, and published by IDW Games that it doesn't exist anymore. Um, so, Pete Walsh, once again, going back really quick to the story, uh, there was uh, Shadows of the Past, the first Kickstarter of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It wasn't cooperative. He made a Facebook group uh, trying to bring the game in a cooperative mode. IDW contacted him, and they invited him to um, develop a cooperative game for a campaign for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. So without being a very experienced uh, designer, and of course based on the system from Kevin Wilson, uh, you know, he just had this idea of getting these uh, animated uh, adventures, universal adventures uh, game system where you can mix different games. And I guess because of this inexperience and also the constant uh, awful rule books from IDW all mixed together, um, develop a very, a not very well rule book development at the time of, you know, getting the game to retail or to backers. Talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, even us, Jonathan, if you remember, in one of our trips, uh, I bought the game and we were reading the rule books and it was so confusing, right? With with the key, with the wording on some cards and, uh, you know, we still joke about it when it's like, hey, you only have two actions, right? Um, so you remember that time, right? Like, you remember that experience with the game? 
I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the only times I've been like visibly frustrated when we played a game, so I feel like I'm, I'm never going to live that down. Yeah, it's going to be forever. But, you know, it was, it was sad because the game, once again, I, I don't remember, you guys played it again, I think, and we encountered some stuff. So it took me like a definitely like a strong curve of learning for me. Uh, and I don't regret because the game is good. You know, it, it's very solid. And it, I, I ended up being friends with Pete Walsh because how much we text. And even he said, he accepted, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, the rulebook has plenty of erratas. So we started to talk about rules and yada, yada. Uh, and, and after I learned the game from him, basically, uh, then I had a blast with the game. Uh, so Batman the Animated Series, basically, it's the game that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was supposed to be. In a way, is good because you can apply the rulebook to both games and you can actually mix them. But let me talk about Batman strictly. So, very basic concept of actions. Every character will have three dice. You're going to roll those three dice. And with those three dice, you're going to do actions on your turn. You're going to move. You're going to do a range attack. You're going to do melee attack. You're going to defend. But the interesting mechanic that I really like is that um, on your character, let's say, Jonathan, that you're playing with Nightwing and I'm Batman, right? Um, so, uh, and you're on my left. So the dice that I the, the dice that I play on the left, let's say it's a double melee attack, double fist, I will give you the same result to you. So you will have that symbol. And let's say you put the movement action on your right side as your right die, I'm sorry, then I'm going to get a moving action as well. I'm going to get a token. So a at the end, we're all going to be sharing the abilities that we have adjacent to the other characters uh, or the dice that we play there, and we're going to be ended up with five actions per turn. Then we're going to have a deck of cards that, that that will determine the initiative during the round to see who whose who turn is it. Either the bad guys, in this case, if you're playing, I don't know, episode two, the card in the claw, you're uh, playing uh, versus Catwoman, and she's trying to, in one side of the board, she's trying to steal a diamond, right? Because it's Catwoman. And then on the other side, you're on the rooftops, and I was playing with uh, 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 Gordon, uh, Batgirl, uh, Robin, and Batman. And you know, so what I had to do during the mission is, okay, uh, Gordon and, and Batgirl, which makes sense, father and daughter, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, you know, they, they go and try to rescue some hostages from the rooftops, and uh, then uh, Robin and Batman, they go through the rooftops and, and fall in through the other uh, um, board. In that way, they can try to defeat uh, Catwoman. Now, you have a round tracker, which if by round four you don't do, you don't accomplish both things, rescuing the hostages and defeating uh, Catwoman, you don't win. Or if one of your characters get knocked out, well, you lose as well. So you can play the, the games in a cooperative way or in a competitive way. Uh, definitely, I think this game really, really shines in cooperative. But the cool thing is that if you have both games, right, if you own both games, you can, if you play competitive, one versus all, well, you can bring like a cool combination of, of, of sweater, of, uh, you know, Shredder from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Joker, let's say, right, and Harley Quinn. Uh, and, and versus, I don't know, uh, Leo, uh, Donnie, are uh, um, Batman and Jim Gordon, right? So you you can make some cool teams, and I'm looking forward to try them. But I'm gonna start talk to, talk talk. I'm sorry, strictly on the cooperative um, side of the game. Uh, and solo, it will play exactly the same. You're gonna be you you can control four players. You can control three players. It's up to you. The game is more balanced, of course, controlling four players. But let's say you don't want to do that because you find it kind of hard to manipulate the four players, which in all reality is not. Um, then you can play with the Dark Knight mode with Batman. So what they did is that you add more cards, more, uh, 
more uh, Batman cards on the deck, on the initiative deck, in that way Batman activates multiple times during the turn. Also, they uh, they did like a layout uh, little cardboard thing that you put on top of your uh, character sheet, and now Batman has different abilities and has different ways of uh, balancing that that aspect of getting a dice from uh, people that it's adjacent from you, even if you're playing by yourself, because you're not constantly rolling the dice for that purpose, uh, but you are resetting those dice between turns. So that's something cool. Uh, of course, you can use focus tokens to re-roll the dice. Uh, all the combat will be resolving by rolling dice and just basically adding up the hits and the defense values. Um, so it's pretty cool. I honestly, I, I have a blast. Once again, the, the, rule, the rule book is way better developed. It's very straightforward. Uh, there's a few things already that came out with some misprinting on, on some dice, but I I realized then after opening each box that it's still okay. You can still play the game just you know switching some dice and that's it. Um, and and it's great. You know it's a lot of content. Like uh, once if you get the the full pledge, uh, you will basically will get every single episode of the show. So you can play most of the episodes from the show. Um, and also you can play, you know, some of the movies, like my, one of my favorite movies. And, and I know you love it too, Jonathan, the mask of the phantasm. Uh, so you can play the, the movie, you know, you can, you have all these crazy expansions with the characters, uh, with a bunch of bad guys, uh, a bunch of heroes, a bunch of different Batman. I don't remember the name, Jonathan, you can tell me better, but remember that episode where there's a Batman that has like, he's like a robot or like a, like a droid or something that you now you can see the Funkos, or in this case you get the miniature here, which is pretty cool, when she's, the face is half Batman and half like a robot. Remember that one? Kind of. It's been a while. Yeah. But well, that one you get it there. It's pretty cool. So anyway, this is a very solid mechanic. I love the game to death. It's probably a huge bias because I love, um, you know, Batman as well. Uh, the IP, you know, the comics and stuff, the whole lore. But, um... But in reality, it is a great game. Like I'm looking forward to show it to more people with this new rulebook and be like, this is how the game was supposed to be. Uh, you know, it's basically the same uh, same concept or similar concept, but once again, more streamlined than versus Ninja Turtles. And also the cool thing about mixing is like they will share the same symbols. So basically... Uh, same actions, I'm sorry, but the only thing it will be different will be the symbols. So, for example, the Batman, there's some uh, boots that they, you know, led you to do the movement action. On the Ninja Turtles, is some skateboards. So it's just just that, you know, it's the the only thing that changed. But other than that, is is it's the same. One cool thing about this game also is that the characters that have the utility belt, you can discard some of the skill cards that you can use in your round. Uh, to get uh, gadgets for the utility belt. So that's pretty cool. You can be throwing batarangs and stuff, and that's really helpful. Um, you know, component-wise, it's great. Minis are great. I'm actually, right now, all my minis are uh, being in a friend's house that I pay him commissions in order to to get it painted. Uh, so I will share some pictures in, 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 in the future, I'm sure, on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter. Uh, so so there is Batman, the animated series, Jonathan. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also thinking that you will, you will really like it because also... You're a big Batman guy. You're a big DC guy as well, you know. Um, you 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 grew up learning, you know, reading the comics too. You even have the the RPG games. So um, I hope this game really really take away that um, bad impression that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, gave us because of the rule book, not because of the game. I hope so too, because I mean, I really like TMNT as well, and I know. Um... You know, there were comics in the last few uh -huh. years, I think, where it was like a crossover between them and Batman. So 
Like, yeah. you know, I know he really wanted to love that game, and I know not all of us did, so I, I'm hopeful as well that these rules will make that more enjoyable. Yeah, which which one is which episode you rec you re you remember like being your favorite from the animated series or one of the ones that you really enjoy? Um, trying to remember, it's hard to remember like when they came when they happened. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like there was one with Two Face where it was like, um, I want to say it was like a maybe they captured Batman and he was on trial and all the villains were there or something like that. Um, yeah. And I remember liking that one, um, The Mask of the Phantasm. Um, for some reason, I remember the Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero movie. Um, yeah. And that was an okay movie, but it had really cool action figures. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember having, like, the snowsuit Batman and, like, the, the Batmobile and stuff for the snow. So yeah, um, I remember having all that when I was a kid. You know, I think mine's are uh, Joker's favor. Remember that one that he... Uh, that Um, he encountered a guy at the beginning of the episode, like a random civilian. And then, uh, uh, you know, he's basically on the traffic, stuck on the traffic, this guy. And he starts to, you know, like to go desperate. And then I think he hits the Joker or something like that on, on the traffic. And then uh, the Joker told him that, you know, that he owned him. He owns him now a favor and he has his ID and everything. So he knows where he lives and all that stuff. So the whole episode is about the tension of this guy waiting for that time where the Joker is going to come back and ask him for that, for that favor. So that was one of my episodes, uh, favorite episodes for sure. And the other one that I really I remember a lot is the almost got him episode where it's basically these, these villains, they're, you know, playing poker, uh, and they're telling their stories about how, how they almost got uh Batman. Uh, so that, that was also very cool. So cool memories once again from that show. And, and yeah, that's, That's my number two, Jonathan, of, of 2021. So I'm looking forward for you to try it as well. Jonathan, we are about to jump uh, to number one as we're reaching the end of the episode. Um, and I'm glad. I'm glad that you and I were on the same page. Um, because in that way, I don't have to give you that first gigantic um, uh, first player token with a xenomorph chase. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, shape. Uh, so xenomorph chase too because they're gonna be chasing but i mean the xenomorph phase but be before we jump into that i want to ask you uh your biggest deception of the year um well i do have one um honorable mention as well okay go for it yeah this is the time um so one that i think you were with me Um, but we, as we do sometimes when there's nothing else to do, we go to Barnes and Noble and, <laughs> sure. uh, and I, I got a game. It's a nice little two player game called Haven. Oh yeah. Um, we, from Red Raven games. We actually had a blast playing that. Yeah. Um, and I'd never really heard of it, but I like, um, you know, some of the other ones from Red Raven, like, um, near and far. I'm looking forward to now and never above and below. Um, I know Ryan Lockett's done some other ones like Empires of the Void 2, and some other games outside of kind of that um, above and below universe. So this was one that I had not heard of, mm -hmm. but it was just a little two-player game. Um, you know, on your turn, you have a few actions, but you're basically either the, um, you know, the green player, which is, you know, based more on the nature, and then the, um, I think it's like a metallic color or brown color, which is the city player. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, based on technology and, and power and, Um, it's kind of an area control, but you're basically fighting <clears throat> over the different elements and moving these elementals um, 
in the forest and through the area control, you can take over what they call a haven um, on the board. So it's strategic on where you want to fight for, um, and you're just playing cards either face up or face down, and they're your um, fighters or guardians, I think they call them. And, um, you know, once something scores, it's based on power and um, also the highest number. And you just place, there's some special cards that each group has, and you just go back and forth until everything scores and the board is full. Um, but I was just surprised by it, because it's not quite just an area control. You, you know, you have the cards with special abilities, and even each player kind of has their own theme. So they have, you know, a few cards that are specific to them. Um, but it probably plays and I don't know, probably took us 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it was a good one to add to the two players. Um, cause I know like Watergate's one of the big ones for our group. And so it's nice to find another two player game that has kind of a different theme. You know, I feel like a lot of times it's like a war theme or political theme or something like that. So having kind of this fantasy, mm-hmm. um, forest theme was pretty cool. And it, of course it's got the great art from Ryan Lockett, like all yeah. his other games. Yeah. I think I remember that. I mean, I definitely remember that game with, uh, some positive notes. I really enjoy the asymmetry on the game as well. The area control of it. Um, and, and we compared at that time with another game that I got actually kind of like blind. I don't remember the name of the game that I got. What is it called? Uh, um, I forgot. It's not right now. Oh, is it, um, Omen? Was it called Omen? Omen. Yeah. Yeah. Omen. It has some similarities with Omen. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I really like heaven with the area control mechanism, I guess that, impl- that I put it there and the asymmetry. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a game that is recommended as well. I thought I Totally took it out of my radar, but now that you're mentioning, that's that's true. It was a very nice surprise, and it worked very well for you know. Well, it's designed for two players, but it works well, uh, you know, for those game nights with your significant other or mm-hmm. you know with just one friend. So, um, so that's there. There you go. That's a good honorable mention. I'm glad you brought it to the table because once again, the memories on that game are very positive. Jonathan, do do you want me to tell the story of the first uh player uh the first place for this year of 2021 for solo bg podcast or do you want to tell the story um well i can, I can um lead into it a little bit if go you want go for it go for it without That's without it. spoiling the name uh now of course amazing listeners if you've been following uh, my episodes on Solo BG Podcast, you probably have a huge hint <laughs> of which game I'm talking about, especially after we, we bring this huge Xenomorph as a first player token. Um, spoiler alert is not Alien the Legendary game, uh, but uh, here we are. Start with the story, Jonathan, and I will, and I will, um, and I will uh, continue it, I guess. Go for it. It's also not Alien, The Fate of the Nostromo, which I have not played yet. I have to play that one too, but it's not that <laughs> one either. That's another another big spoiler. So start with the movie, my friend. Um, so we're a crew on a spaceship. Okay. Um, and, you know, we wake up and we find um, one of the crewmates is dead. Okay. So we decide to do some research, mm-hmm. see what's going on, explore some of the ship. Kind of figure out, you know, which make sure the ship is still headed to Earth because, you know, if we're gonna go into cryo freeze and hibernate, we got to make sure we wind up on the right planet. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but we also have to make sure the engines work because we have to, you know, we don't want it to stop mid journey and we get stuck in space. Yeah. So you know, we're fulfilling our roles and seeing what we need to fix. 
you know, we've, we do some research on our dead crewmate and um, discover there might be um, some other things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we're doing that and some, uh, you know, some aliens show up. I guess, you know, the, the interesting part too, before we jump into the, uh, our friends showing up is that when we wake up, you know, and we see this body, we we just see that he's dead or she's dead, but we also see like it's covered like in slime, right? Like it's blood there, but also like some green substance, which is weird. And as we walk through the, through the hallways, you know, going through different rooms, um, there's, you, we notice that we all the time we make noise, Jonathan. I guess it's because my injury on my back or my injury on my leg. But every time that I go somewhere, I make noise. Um, and you know, I'm a, I guess I'm a big guy, <laughs> you know. Uh, but you know, you you also hear some noises like somewhere on the ship, like you were mentioning. And 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 because we 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 just wake up, we also are disoriented and we don't know where is each room, where is the showers, where are the 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 emergency room where is the armory we don't know where is anything we just all fully disoriented and you're right at some point some uh, baby aliens or maybe the queen will uh, surprise us and then game over friend and of course we're talking about nemesis nemesis is gonna be the champion jonathan nemesis is the champion of solo bg podcast for this 2021 let me read the stats really quick as we talk about the game uh rank overall number uh 17 so he's over there jonathan he's in the top 20 of best games ever according to the bgg data database uh thematic it's in eighth place it has an 8.4 uh on rating on on uh, bgg uh survive an alien infested spaceship but be aware of other players and their agendas uh it has 17,000 ratings so it's a very trustful number one to five players uh, 90 to 180 minutes H 12 year plus plus I'm sorry complexity 3.39 out of 5 designer is Adam Kwapinski uh, uh, artist is Pietro Fokuswick I hope I pronounced it correctly Patrick Jedrasek, uh Eva Lavak and Andres uh, Poltoranos and is published by Awakened Realms and many other publishers that bring it that brought the game to different uh, places right in, in, in the world and languages but it's Nemesis, Jonathan. It's everything I could expect for an alien game. I don't care who owned the license, right? I don't care if, if, if Ravensburger or whoever it is owns the license. This is Aliens, the board game. This is it. And the tension, we have, we already made an episode on Solo BG podcast about, about Nemesis. So we're not going to go into um, explaining how the game plays because basically we already did with this description. But I will say this, Jonathan, as we comment. We began the episode, or I began the episode saying that every board game, in my opinion, has to bring an experience, right? And and, and every board game, the good board games will bring that anec- those anecdotes. Either it could be uh, punishing anecdotes or, or good anecdotes or like TM, TMNT anecdotes where we don't understand the rule book. But every go- the, the purpose is to get those experiences, just like last night. I was playing side solo with the app Sidekick, which, by the way, you should try it. And when I say you, is you amazing listeners. Uh, but I was, I, I, after I went to, to bed, you know, I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, I mean, if I were to do this action different and yada, yada, yada. And the automat just, they fit me on the last turn, man. The, and then I was having music on the background. It was almost like a movie. Well, with Nemesis, I played it already in this year 13 times. 
Um, and every single time, either solo or cooperative, has been a unique, immersed, almost like filmic, uh, different experience, different anecdote. Every playthrough has been completely different, and every playthrough has been epic. Um, so I think this is a game that it's in a way is different because you have to experience it. You have to to um, to to play it, to live it, to be on that role. I, I I don't I don't I don't remember any other game that kind of push you to be on that role playing aspect of a game where you really have to be on your role of who you are, especially your abilities. If you're an engineer, if you're the medic, if you're the bounty hunter, whatever you are, like you have to be on that role in order to make the experience fun and to be able to win, right? Uh, what what are what are your thoughts on Nemesis, Jonathan? Because, I mean, it, honestly, I have to say, it was a surprise to me that you put it on first place. Um, because I think you play it twice. Don't get me wrong. I mean, don't don't. I'm sorry. T correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think you play it twice. But I mean, I was expecting probably for you to play place a number one another game that you played it more. So that's why I'm very eager and interested to hear your thoughts on Nemesis. Well, I think part of it's like what you said is that it just has that cinematic experience to it. Um, and like the one that I remember is when we were playing and um, I forget what everybody's role was, but I think you were the character with the dog and I forget, I think Kale maybe was the engineer and I was the medic. I was the bounty hunter, yeah. And we yeah. were playing with our friend uh, Jeremiah too. Um, but I think it was the second time you guys had played. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true, that's true, that's true. Um, when I played that time and... Um, you know, we were going through doing all the things, and I forget what the objectives were, but it was, they were very difficult to go together, and we wound up in a situation where we were scattered across the board, and the queen showed up, and <laughs> we're like, well, we have a situation where we can lure her into this room, shut the doors, and um, I think Caleb was the one that could activate the airlock and suck out all the air, so she died. <laughs> so, I mean, it really is like being in the movie where... Yeah, you know, you know, the climax of the movie, and you're the main characters, and you're trying to trick this alien into, you know, going into your trap, and it just worked out perfectly. Um, so there was that, and then even towards the end, I think our objective, like none of us, could be infected because we had to get back to Earth, mm -hmm. and I think we were so close, and we found out you were infected. Yeah. So I was the medic, so I had to go use my special ability and find the, um, I think like a first aid kit or whatever, so I could cure you. Mm-hmm. And then you got into the um, hibernation, yeah. And I, and I found out that I was infected. So, <laughs> and we were at the point where there wasn't any time left. So, I basically had to kill myself. <laughs> so that way, you and Caleb would survive, and we would meet all the objectives. So it's just kind of like one of those things. Like every step was, you know, just more thematic and more cinematic um, as we went. And there were epic sacrifices, and you know, the fighting was cool with you know that situation with the queen and. You know, just kind of like everything that you would expect from an alien movie. Yeah. And uh, actually, like, one of the things that I really like from the game is that tension where uh, when you were infected, right? Like, once again, I have the review episode where, but you get these infection cards that basically they just um, occupy a place on your, on your, on your deck and on your hand at some point. Um, but when you do the arrest action, you can scan them and it has like kind of like an infrared, um, 
you know, device where you stuck the card in and it will say infected or it was just going to be a bunch of gibberish, uh, but it won't say infected, right? So I think that's pretty cool because it creates that tension like, oh boy, like, okay, we're going to fulfill the goals like you were mentioning, but what if one of us is infected? Then that baby alien is going to come out of our, of, our, of our bellies, right? Like in the movies. So that's what happened to you i guess and you had to kill yourself that time you know like that baby was already out of your abdomen you were like agonizing but you didn't want to give a chance for that baby to come out completely so you probably shoot at that baby and then shoot yourself because you knew that you were going to die painful anyway uh, so it has that aspect of okay let's make sure the ship is going to earth make sure the engines are working also make sure that we fulfill our objectives if your objective is kill the queen well it's going to be super hard Um, and then not only that, survive and go to hibernation or, 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 or take the skate pods, whatever it is. So every single time you play will be a different experience. I have to say that the only downside that this game could have is the player elimination. Because if you get eliminated, you know, let's say after we're playing a four-player game two hours, you might just be an spectator for another hour and a half. But on the other hand, The game is so, so, so cinematic that even if that's the case, you will still be involved. Does that make sense? Like, you will still be like, oh, come on, like, what's going to happen and whatever. Um, and I experienced that myself uh, a couple of times already. I saw it on Gen Con when, when I lay out the game and started to play uh, a five-player game. And there were some people watching and they were just on it. Like just watching the the game and make throwing opinions and even a lovely couple they were like you know what we want to go and play now to her hotel you know like because they own Nemesis as well um, you know I played uh, recently on a convention that is well it's like a retreat gaming retreat that I that I do with some friends that's called Billcon here in Indianapolis uh, we played a five player game and it was almost like five hours. Uh, but it was pretty epic at the end. We won, but it was every single thing was pretty epic. And, and the nice thing about this game is, though, that even let's say that everything starts to go very good and you start to fulfill all the objectives, things can happen on the last minute during because of event cards that can make everything go south right away. So I think that randomness adds a lot of uh, cinem adds a lot to the cinematic. Uh, experience that you get with this game uh, i don't know there's a lot of mechanics right jonathan that this game has like uh the combat and all the stuff what is your favorite thing probably from the game uh from the mechanics what is what is one of your favorite things that you notice um i mean i like you know the different player abilities and i feel like they help but they're not like overpowered so you still feel like there's the challenge the entire time uh -huh. um but i think um You know, kind of like some of the other games where each player kind of has their own deck of cards. Like, I think that's always kind of fun when you have that, and you don't necessarily always start with the same cards as everybody else. So yeah. it's more of that specific um, deck for your character. Yeah. Um, but I like the way that there's the combat, or even like how you can make noise as you're going through and attract aliens. Um, and even just like where you draw out the token for the alien, it kind of reminded me of um, like the Arkham Horror lcg where you draw the token and it kind of determines how well you do on your um whatever check you're trying to make it's you know similar to that where you draw out the token and it kind of determines how bad the alien is going to be that turn or what alien you're going to get yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff going on in the game 
Uh, I'm I'm glad that you placed it as your number one. It's definitely my number one, and I cannot recommend this game enough, Jonathan. Um, I I really do. Um, for solo cooperative, I have to confess I haven't tried the semi cooperative. Um, I would like to try it at some point, but I don't force. I foresee being very fun, but I don't think this game needs it because it's just hard as it is, right? Yeah, I feel like that would just make it harder than it needs to be. Yeah, you know, potentially having a trader, or, you know, having the semi-cooperative where, you know, you're already trying. It's already could be hard enough just to get back to the engines and make sure those all work and do all those objectives, and then, mm-hmm. you know, if that person's the trader, they could just do that, and you may, you know, you may not be able to get there to double check anything. And yeah, you, you know, you spend the whole game, and then you realize your engines are going to fail. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. it, it's 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 so good, man, and. and and once again, uh, um, this was my most hyped Batman. And then, well, f- the first is this one and then Batman. Uh, I don't remember being as, as excited, full of hype, like I was with Nemesis when I pledged it, when I pledged the Kickstarter. And, um, and you know, there was a huge bias also, you know, because the money that I spent on the, on the, on the, on the pledge, uh, waiting for the game for so long, and but at the same time I was like you know what I'm gonna play it right away in that way if I don't like it I'm just gonna put it on the market and see if I can get my money back which I, I'm sure like even right now I can get my money back especially since I paint all the minis um, but um <clears throat> you know I I don't see this game going ever out of my collection at all at all and I see like this being a kind of game that I play at least five times per year um, and um, and you know it's just such a great game it's definitely my holy grail of board games for me at this point. Uh, if there was a decade, you know, if we could do like a decade top five, this would probably be in first place still. Uh, I don't know. I hope, you know, more games surprise me because that will be even better for me. But it's going to be very hard, Jonathan, for for someone and take a Nemesis away from the from the podium, you know, from the first place um, and, and take it and take it out, at least for me. So so there is that. But I'm glad that we we agree on this. That we're in the, we're playing now in this cooperative mode, you and I, and we both agree that Nemesis is a champion of 2021. Is the must have the the seal of extraordinary uh, experiences uh, from Solo BG Podcast. Uh, what would you rate the game for me, Jonathan? I don't have any problem saying that this is for me. We know, you know, we rate the game zero to five. Uh, you know, from where zero is like the worst game ever, aka Batman Flux, uh, or five is the the best game ever. Why would be your rating for this? I'd say definitely a solid four, probably a four point five. Okay, I would probably put it at twenty. How is that? There so, you go. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it, it's um, it's a great game. It's a beautiful game, uh, beautiful production. Honestly, if you see it at the st- a store, just get it. Just you won't regret. Just get it. I know, Jonathan. Eventually, you will end up with a copy once you see it in an auction or something. I know you will. I know you will end up in a cup with a copy of Nemesis. Um, and it's so epic, you know, so so epic. It's not for everyone, though. I have to say, and we have to. To admit that that if you don't like this kind of theme, like space, which <clears throat> there's something wrong with you, but uh, if you don't like this kind of theme, well, probably you won't enjoy it as most, right? Do you think it, you think this game is theme dependent? Dependent? I don't know if it's necessarily theme dependent, but it um, I think it helps being a fan of like any sort of alien franchise or yeah, like any sort of space sci-fi yeah. horror type um, movies or or comics or whatever. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's still a, strong game mechanically so even yeah. if you don't really care 
you know, it's still got combat, it's still got, you know, exploration and objectives. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Jonathan, we bef before we say goodbye and our best wishes and all this stuff, I want to I want to add another uh, plot twist. Um and uh we're going to talk Jonathan about uh the biggest 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 deception of the year. All right? Um you know the that game that you were expecting so much that you were hyped uh and It didn't hold up. It didn't hold up, and you ended up almost like, you know, didn't liking it or probably hating it. Uh, what was your biggest deception, your biggest frustration of 2021? Well, I, I hate to end on a downer, but... I mean, um, <laughs> we're not going to end on a downer still because we're going to talk about our, our, our wishes, you know, and, and stuff like that really quick, but very briefly because we are hitting the almost the two hours and 30 minutes mark. Um But uh, what was the, the big frustration of the year? Besides well, had, COVID, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I had three big games, I guess, on my Christmas list. And I, and I say big because they were all the ones that were $50 or more in bigger boxes and stuff. Mm -hmm. That was Lost Ruins of Arnak. Mm -hmm. great, great game. Um, Beyond the Sun. Great game. Fantastic game. Fantastic It, game. Yeah. And Forgotten Waters, which I won't say it's a bad <laughs> game, but it's just not a great game for us. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have some of the other Plaid Hat games, and I enjoy the you know, some of the storybook games and things that they do, and I thought it would be cool to have, you know, with the app and the voice acting and all that. But you go through it, and, you know, we played, I think, there was a four-player game, and it was kind of fun to, you know, have the characters and kind of do the little stories and stuff, but... There just wasn't enough game there, I think, for us. Like, it was just kind of, you know, you, you know, follow the story, you go on the, you know, create the map, you go, you, you know, dock your boat, here are your actions. But there's, it's not like you had, you know, 20 different choices or even 10 different choices. You know, you kind of have a few different things. Yeah. If, if one character is good at, you know, charisma or charm or whatever they call it, like, you, you know, you, it would make sense that you go do this one thing. If somebody's better at fighting, you go do that. But it was just very repetitive. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like the point we played for two hours, and that was like the halfway point for the first mission. And I think, you know, if it was a two-hour game, I would like it a lot better because like it was fun enough, but I didn't want to do another two hours. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just too long for what it was, unless all you really care about is that story. Yeah. Now, for me, I think I probably liked it better than um, Caleb and... And Lauren, and maybe you, but I mean, part of it, we were going through, and I'm like, why do I recognize this voice? I recognize the voice of, the, of this pirate captain, and, <laughs> and we're going through, and I'm like, um, you know, it's a voice that I grew up with, and it was Chris Savitt from Dragon Ball Z. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so right. he did yeah. the voice of Piccolo and Vegeta, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's still not enough <laughs> yeah. to, to get through the game. So I think it's definitely a good game for groups that kind of like that story, maybe even a group that likes... You know, they want to take a break from their D&D campaign, but still just kind of have a fun story. And you have, mm -hmm. you know, you still roll dice and do things similar to D&D. It's just a lot lighter. Yeah. But I think for us, where we like strategy games and, um, you know, more, you know, some puzzles and, you know, more complex thinking um, with the games. I just don't think it was a game for us, but I was just so excited for that one. And that was probably my biggest letdown for my excitement level. You know what? I was excited. I was excited for that one, too. And I think is that. I think that... Um I don't think it's a bad game. It's just for the for the kind of group. Like I can see from the three of us, probably I would dare to say that I will be the one that enjoying it more, 
just because that story driven gameish aspect of it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's nothing crazy and, and, and it didn't work for us. It might be a good game for some groups for, but for us, it didn't, didn't work. And I also agree with you. I think this will be a good game for people that, that really like role playing games and stuff because they will, they, it will be up their alley. Right. Uh, or for families, you know, with, with younger kids, like if you have, you know, kids around eight years, nine year old, like that, that would be a good game to play with them or nephews or nieces, because it's very simple, like roll this die, this adventure, where you want to go, uh, this and that. So, so there's that. So I, I, you know, I don't think it was that bad, but I, I think I agree with you. It wasn't the right fit for the group. Uh, my biggest deception of the year, Jonathan, is a game that I was really looking forward to try it, really looking forward to own it. I own it and I ended up uh, trading it for other games. Um, and it's actually, I feel bad because the designers, you know, um, you know, one of them more than, more than the other one, I consider it kind of like my body, you know, my friend, uh, and we talk, you know, sometimes and I have played tests for him, some, some stuff. Uh, and I actually, um, you know, own the two previous games before that one from them. And I'm talking about, uh, Alter Quest. Um, you know, I, I own Street Masters, which I love designed by Brady and Adam Sadler uh, from Blacklist Games. I own Brook City, which I still like a lot. Um, and, it, you know, the same designers, uh, Polisher as well. But then they came out with Alter Quest, which was supposed to be like the Hero Quest cooperative-ish, you know, game. Um, and the production was cool and, and everything was nice. It just, I don't know if it was because I was tired of the modular deck system, and I wanted to see something a little bit different. Not that it's bad, but I just wanted to see something different. Um, and and this one was too much. It was overwhelming. It was decks everywhere. Uh, it was a lot of uh, fiddleness, I guess you want to call it, right? Um, and it was a lot going on. Like every time you go to a room, this deck, that deck, the other deck, the other deck, the other deck, the other deck, the enemy, that, blah, blah, blah. It was a lot versus a Street Masters, for example. It works good because it's a small board. You have your tableau, your character, and, you, you know, it's, it's simple. Like, okay, there's three three decks, but that's it. Like, nothing crazy. But with this one, I don't know if you remember, Jonathan, it was deck after deck after deck after deck after deck after deck. So at some point, it was so much, so much uh, for, for a dungeon crawler adventure, right? Um, and I really wanted to love it and like it, not only because, you know, designers, but also because the production wise, and because before that I play for the first time Hero Quest, and I actually liked it a lot. I'm actually thinking of getting a copy of Hero Quest, hopefully this Christmas, if not like soon, um, now that it's coming out on retail as well, because I had a blast with Hero Quest. So I was looking for Alter Quest to be that for me, and it didn't work out. And I know this is very subjective because, for example, Tom Vassell, uh, he mentioned it that that from their modular tech system, this was his favorite. Uh, but um, for me, I tried solo. I tried two players. I tried with you guys, and, and it didn't hold up. I don't know if you remember the experience with that game or not. Yeah, I mean, I remember that, and it was just kind of confusing with just the different decks and i'll be like oh, i want to go there i don't remember which deck i'm supposed to look at and mm-hmm. um i mean it was fine but um you know i've played some of those with you and caleb even just like street masters and mm-hmm. those were just a lot more straightforward than alter quest but i like the theme and everything but it was just you know, definitely a little bit more convoluted than um i think it needed to be yeah, um, it was more like you're right, more complicated than what it needed to be. And I ended up exchanging it for the anachrony and the miniatures 
and Empires of the Void 2, which I actually haven't played, and you own it as well, so you need to teach me that game soon, uh, because I haven't learned it. Uh, but anyway, these were our top five of 2021. Once again, the champion was Nemesis. Uh, we uh, mentioned some surprise, uh, some hidden gems, some honorable uh, uh, you know, mentions. We mentioned all deception at the end, of course. The queen appeared, and we went down, and we start to get a little bit sad and, and talk about our the sadness experiences of the year. But now is the time to cheer up as we are saying goodbye to all of you amazing friends. This is the last episode of the year, uh, 2021. Um, we wish you nothing more than happiness on these holidays. Uh, please have a lot of fun. Please play a lot of games. Uh, Jonathan, what is on your on your Christmas list? Uh, uh, you know, what is on your letter to Santa? What are you? Which games are you asking for? Um, I mean, they're just some of the things that you know. I was looking for at Gen Con that didn't show up. So, like some games that um, mm -hmm. looking forward to. Um, last year, I really liked just one, and um, this year. Um, Repost has a game called So Clover, which is another party-type okay. game, um, another word-based game. So I think that would be fun, especially you know getting it around a holiday, and um, that would be a good one for the family that um, I would be looking forward to. Um, like I mentioned before, the expansion for Lost Ruins of Arnak, I don't think that'll be out. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if Now or Never, the third in the um, Above and Below trilogy, I know that was about available for pre-orders, but if that comes out, that would be a good one to add. Mm -hmm. um, but even just some other games that, um, you know, we talked about before, just like Scythe, maybe some of the expansions yeah. um, to try that solo. Yeah, I'm looking forward also to get the Rise and Fenris to give it a try with the app. Uh, I'm looking forward for The Hunger from um, uh, Renegade Game Studios. Um, I'm, I already played it. I loved it. I'm looking forward to get a copy. Also from Queen Games, I think it is. I'm looking forward to the Robin Hood cooperative game. Um, what else I have on my on my on my card? Orbital from Jacob Frixelius, which is the designer of, of Surfing Mars. Uh, Orbital skyscrapers, I think it's it's called. I'm looking forward to that one as well. Uh, Donning the Purple, which is a game that came out about two years ago. I want to get it. Uh, so there's a bunch of games that I do want to get. Uh, Dune Imperium, which I haven't I haven't played yet. I've seen it, but I haven't played it. That's another game that I want to get because I know it's good. Um, Ark Nova, it's another game that I'm looking forward to try. Um, and you know, there's a lot of games. Of course, they're always they're always going to be in the radar. Um, and and yeah, so it was it was a good year, Jonathan. It was a good year of experiences and games. Um, you know. And, and nothing for the best, my friend. Nothing for happy holidays and, and all the stuff. And, you know, hopefully uh, next year list will be full of surprises as well. And and we need to do those episodes that we talk about, the movies and the stuff, right? We need to to have those uh, gaming talks, I guess. Yeah, that would be fun. And hopefully next year we have, you know, healthy families, some more game nights. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, um, you know, get still again getting more back to normal so we can have... You know, bigger conventions, bigger Gen Con, um, all that fun stuff. That's good. So for all of you amazing friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember that you can follow us in social media, Solo BG Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Remember that also we are part of the Dice Tower Network. So if you want to listen to other amazing podcasts created by amazing and talented people, please go to the dicetowernetwork.com and you will not only find Solo BG podcasts there, but also you will find many, many other podcasts that you can listen to. If you want to listen to me in Spanish with my good friend Nash, 
uh, you can do it. Uh, just look for the podcast, Solo BG Podcast in Espanol. And spoiler alert, uh, if you listen to the podcast in Spanish, there's another project coming up for next year in Spanish as well. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year. And you will hear my voice again on 2022. Until next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop. Thank you.